Welcome to the Next Step Podcast with Jay. And Brad. Wait. Wait. I'm Brad. I'm Jay. I'm an All act. Right. All right. That guy's gone. Remember when he was who? a thing? Who? I'm not even going to mention his name. Do a live guy. Oh. He used yeah. to be a thing, and now he's just gone. Isn't that crazy? You get yeah, caught. Yeah, I think he's got his own internet show. Yeah, but I mean, you were the thing. Yeah. Daily he thing. was the man for a long time. you're out. Comes and goes quick, bang. Addiction takes it. You think that was addiction? Yeah. All right. Well, well, okay, well, Anyways, okay. let's talk about news. We got a really long and really good Ask the Attic with Neil. Um, you want to stay tuned. Um, this you can't is, leave after this news. Yep. So, and we had Neil's wife on a few episodes ago, and they—you're probably going to listen to this by getting referred to by their social media, which yeah. is a pretty big following. So, this is a pretty big deal for them to break anonymity. They have a pretty big share L- their story. LDS and just normal fashion yeah. blog Instagram. So, if you're listening to this, referred from Mint Arrow, and we thank you for listening, and hopefully, we don't offend you. With our straight talk and real talk, our real talk about addiction and recovery. Um, but we, you know, after about a few more minutes here, we're gonna pop on your share, mm-hmm. and then we're gonna talk, and then we're gonna have Neil's ask the addict. We're just gonna hear about his story and how he came to recovery. But first, we'd like to just talk about recent news. My news, big with this week, is my daughter came home for a mission. Dude, that was huge. That was the coolest streaming live. Your his son, Brad's son, <laughs> they're at the airport and he had the iPhone and he was doing it live from Instagram. Doing it live from Instagram. He, he got a lot of praise on he that. He got a lot of praise. He's, He's funny. He's commentarying. Com- what is it? Com- what is it? Commentary. Commentary yeah. of like people getting off the escalators and here she is and the dude it was funny. It was cool. It's a cool experience to have her home. It was. Uh, How does it feel know, for you? For year, you know, for the last your firstborn. two years. He's our she's our oldest. Born on the fourth of July, and you know. Parent, the older, you know, I think I'm old, but the older people besides me say, you know, nothing sweeter than having come home for a mission. But it just felt so far away. It just didn't seem real. And, you know, I'm on, I'm on the high council. So every every two weeks or at least once a month, we have missionaries come and report to the high council. So for the last couple of years, my mom, I'm like, wow, this is cool. I can't wait till my daughter's going to be for so long. And yeah. then last Sunday she did it. So it was just a very surreal experience. It feels like a dream. Like life just... Yeah. It was like a dream, and they're either good dreams or bad dreams. I remember talking dream. to you like, dude, she's going. It's crazy. And now yeah. she's gone and back. Um, you a, lot know, of, a lot of experience. A lot. And it's cool because I talk about my initial experience, and she gets it now. She's like, oh, okay. Oh, you. Oh. So she just gets it. That's so um, cool. But she's in the awkward phase now. Second week home. Like, this is. Yeah, not, it hasn't even been a full week. I told her to go see the Tomorrow. Word. She like, it was nuts. Yeah. So she's <laughs> going through the adjustment period now, but she's going to come out fine. She'll be fine. Um, all right. You well, want to talk stuff you addiction got? news or church news? news. Um, addiction first. Okay. So uh, if you don't follow us on social media, if I'm curious, I put a poll out on our. I did on our Instagram page uh-huh. about uh, do you go to ARP weekly? So far, I haven't checked it uh, in the last couple hours, but more of our listeners uh, don't do a 12-step. So I'm thinking, like, as far as our Instagram list, Instagram followers, they're either not going to meetings or they're not addicts. Yeah, because it follows was, us because we had good yeah, content. Yeah, just interesting, but it's only been up there for a few hours. 
And then, uh, but they, those that go to meetings mostly go to ARP. So if you go to our Instagram account, The Next Step Podcast, go on there and uh, do the poll that's on there. It's on okay. whatever you call it. We're not super geeky on that. I don't know how to do it. But there's a poll Instagram on there. Live. Be curious. Yeah. It's not live. It's just the story. story. It's right under the story. Um, but, but I wanted to talk to you about this post on our Facebook page, which is at the 12 Steps of Change Facebook at 12 Steps of Change about... Over the, what are the withdrawal symptoms from coming off of hydrocodone, which would be any type of opiate? So hydrocodone is specific, but yeah. I mean, that, that's good. Yeah. So talk about the difference. So there's different opiates. Yeah. So what are some common names of opiates that you would get? Uh, oxycotton, hydrocodone, hydro... Ox, or, uh, like basically there's like Vicodin, there's Norcos, there's different brands of them. So people They're will call all opiate-based yeah. painkillers. Yes, opiate-based. That's good. With okay. Tylenol. Like hydrocodone is mixed with Tylenol. Okay, but, there, but it's an opiate-based yes. painkiller. Yeah, absolutely. And after most surgeries, whether it's mouth surgery, pre-surgery or pre-surgery, it's You're very, a lot of pain, very common to be prescribed this. Yes. Uh, I have been to the doctor many times over injuries. And wisdom tea. Just you name pretty, it. I, my right Shoulder. arm is toast from all the stuff I've had yeah. falling down doing things. But it's always like pad out. What do you like? What do you like? Do you like oxycodone? What works? Oh, yeah, works for you best. And I always say coating, hydrocodone. So this is about. Um, I'm gonna keep talking. So um, I'm gonna go through these. So read those and tell me if these are true. It says. What is the withdrawal length of hydrocodone? Is I can't read that if you take it off. There we go. Uh, like most prescription narcotics, uh, hydrocodone. What does it say? Cessation. Cessation. That means stopping. The stopping of. Cessation. Yeah. All oh, right. Cessation um, can spark withdrawal symptoms, which may include muscle aches, and probably not exclude either. There's probably more. Muscle yeah. aches, runny noses, sweats, chills, goosebumps, vomiting, diarrhea, anxiety, headaches, mood swings, depression, fatigue, drug cravings. Symptoms last five to seven days in most cases. A medical detox program can shorten recovery time. So blah, blah, what blah. this is saying is even if you're totally legitimately prescribed an opiate. Yeah you will probably go through physical withdrawals when you stop taking it. Yes, I think we and Xander talked about this a little bit a while ago, or like maybe it was on the podcast, I think. But we were saying that no matter what, if you take opiates, there's an actual real statistic, like I think it's pretty close to like 15 days. Like if you take it for 15 days or longer, a certain amount, you will you will have a physical detox, not a mental detox, meaning like you're a drug addict at that point because you took it for 15 days or now you need to go to a meeting for 15, you know, right away. It just means that it's just like if I drink Diet Cokes for a certain amount of time, like Xander was talking about, or soda, or, you know, eat a certain thing when you stop eating it. I noticed that when I went gluten-free that I had mm. headaches. I had a lot of those same exact symptoms. Yeah. The, in fact, the exact symptoms. I want to get Xander on and talk yeah. about his food detox. Yeah, so when you take opiates consistently, whether it's a Vicodin, hydrocodone, Tylenol with coating, if you take it for a certain amount of time, you know, I just had tongue surgery, right? I had my yeah. tongue release. I took Tylenol coating for a certain amount of days. And uh, as soon as I got off of them, there was a physical, those symptoms in a very mild manner, but this is still there. They but, were real. But you weren't, I mean, so let's, let's address maybe the people that listen to our podcast yeah. that are not addicts. They don't identify, but 
maybe they went through a surgery or their yeah. loved one is. Yeah, I have a friend that just went through, uh, that we go to church with, a really good friend, not an addict by any stretch of any imagination, lives a clean, healthy life in the church, active member, um, quorum president, things like that. And yet, you know, he had some surgeries that, um, that were major, major surgeries to fix, you know, broken bones and things like that and, and joints. And naturally they prescribed a painkiller because there's extreme pain surgery. This is not a joke surgery. This is like, don't tough yeah. it out. Like it's a lot of pain. However, um, sometimes the surgeons, well, not sometimes, most of the time, the surgeons aren't the same guys who, they're not going to be your best friends for the rest of your life, right? They're, they're a guy that like is they're short term, short term in your life, right? So they come in. So meaning their short their their care is short term. Yeah. Meaning they they don't they don't think of you past maybe 60 90 days in their life. They can't cuz they got so many patients. So when you come in, they say you're in pain. They this is what we give you, we give you Percocet oxy which is a stronger form of hydrocodone, um, Percocet or oxycotton or whatever it is. And then they usually write you a script for 90 days. It's just like a, no matter if you're in pain for 90 days or not. They and, just, and the ones I've gotten say take as needed every four to six yeah, hours. One, they, yeah, one, one to two every three to four hours or whatever. But you may not need that. That's and I've scary. been told by doctors you should feel no pain. And then I had someone tell me this the other day that said, like, well, when I first got prescribed opiates for after surgery, I took them like you would antibiotics. Right? What does the antibiotics so say? So finish the pill. Finish the pill. Yeah. yeah, finish the bottle. Yeah, you don't know. You're not a druggie. You're you right. don't know. So you don't know what these things are. You just know you're in a crap ton of pain. Yeah. The, the doctor told you to take them. You're not seeking them. You would never have taken yeah. them without the surgery. Um, and so this this fellow, my friend, um, took him throughout his uh, recovery. But, you know, that recovery ended up being a little bit longer to, for this joints that he was working with. And if, I, if I know the person, they do physical therapy as well, which is extremely painful yeah, for surgery yeah, had. Exactly. So the doctors kept him on the pills, and then when it came time to get off of him, um, he went through the physical things that we just read. And um, lucky I was there to tell him, hey, this is all normal. It doesn't make you a bad person, but just know you're going to have these things. And because I, he told me later that because I told him that, you know, expect muscle, runny nose, sweating, chills, goosebumps, vomiting, expect all these things. The fear of the unknown was less fear. He was less, it was less scary in the moment yeah. because he was like, oh, no, Jay told me I was going to feel this way. As opposed to, I need to take another pill. To Yeah, uh, most people would have been like, oh, I feel crappy. Well, I remember those things made me feel good. I'll just take another one. And then that's how the cycle starts, right? Okay. So, so yeah, I, and I've known quite a few as well. No, the pain they, gets they go. They, you're going to go through withdrawal. But it go away. And it goes away. But that's the problem. Is and does it feel like the flu? That's what it was described as? Best, like a, best describing of it is the flu. Like okay. the full-blown flu. Not the, like, I got a cold flu. Like the one I'm talking the influenza, like this flu season we just up. had, right? Yeah. Where you're out for nine days. So it feels like the flu, but if you take a pill, it takes the flu away, which is crazy to think. Because, like, I know when I'm a baby when I get the flu. Yeah. And if I'm like, I could take this pill and this all goes away. Yeah. yeah. And that's kind of what it does, right? So that's where you get in that cycle. Yeah, because opium's opium is a is is the is the most powerful painkiller we know, right? Like, I mean, there's fentanyl and other stuff. But anyways, yeah, so, that's what they were talking about. So uh, doesn't necessarily mean you're an addict. I mean, just because you're going through physical withdrawals doesn't mean you're an addict. No. Nope. Don't panic. Know that you're gonna go through it. And you should um, talk about it. To be honest, be honest your doctors, with your loved say, ones. Loved ones. This person was honest with me. He knew I had a past. He said, hey, I just let be honest, like, uh, this is what I'm going through. Can you help me out? What do I need to expect? And boom, he's off now, and life is going back to normal. He still has physical pain. He's still going in recovery from his, his surgeries and his rehabilitation, but he's living his life now without drugs. That's great. Boom. Well, good you were there. Okay, yeah. next thing I want to talk about is we, our what new prophet, President news. Nelson, and 
Uh, President and Sister Nelson are going to speak to a worldwide devotional for youth. Whoa. Um, they're going to be scheduled to speak Sunday, June 3rd, worldwide devotional. So if you're not a member of the church listening to it, he is our president of the church. Uh, we consider him a prophet, seer, and revelator, um, just as in the New Testament times um, there were prophets and apostles. Yeah. Um, and he, we believe he receives inspiration and guidance for the church. And I think it's... it's uh, it's safe to assume inside of the church we live in perilous times. I mean, the New Testament talks about perilous times um, all over the epistles of Paul throughout the New Testament. And so I think uh, if you're a God-fearing person, it's pretty safe to assume that is our times. We live in the last days and perilous times. Um, so we, I want to share this with you if you haven't done it in a challenge to our listeners. Um, sometimes we just assume that he's a prophet, like, oh, that's just what happens. He's a new president of the church. And I, I actually gave a talk uh, couple, uh, last Sunday, two Sundays ago, and my challenge was, if you haven't done already, pray to find out, is he really the prophet? Like, you know he is. He's by calling. We're going to sustain him in general conference coming up, but receive a personal witness that he's the prophet. And the only way to fall, I agree with that. The only way to, when I first joined the church and right before I went on my mission, President Gordon B. Hinckley was the prophet and my institute teacher challenged me to do the same thing that you just said. He said, how can you go forth and preach to the, that this guy is a prophet if you don't fully know and you haven't had the confirmation? You may know in your mind, like, oh, yeah, yeah of course. And I intellectual knowledge is different than a spiritual knowledge. Yeah, and he's knowledge. like, but go, he's like, he just challenged us to do exactly what you said. Go get a spiritual confirmation. So I went to all the general conferences and obviously that's not, feasible for everyone, but I, I went and did that. I went to Utah. You can listen to all and of them. I, yeah, but you can listen to all of them, but here's the point. Yeah. I did what he said. I fasted. I prayed. I went to. I watched and listened to every general conference, and I heard him speak several times. Didn't have any witness until the very last talk on the Sunday afternoon session, and uh, he he later died that later that year, so this was amazing. I got this mm -hmm. testimony right before he passed away, but um, he... He's, uh, as we were singing, we thank the old God for a prophet, and he's waving, and he's walking off. He's 90-something years old. The Spirit whispered to me three times, this man is a prophet. Three times, three times. It wasn't my voice. It wasn't my mind. It wasn't my intellect. I know for a fact that was of God, and it was so amazing. And uh, it allowed me to go on my mission and just freaking hammer what, anything he had ever said because I knew that it was true. Well, my, you know, if we were alive the time when the Word of Wisdom was revealed, yeah. or uh, you'd be like, whatever, dude. Like, yeah, everyone what? does this. Tobacco? Like, yeah. In 1835 yeah. or whatever that was? Um, and then there's other, like, if they I was... They didn't know until 1950. If, if, if I was a youth and I didn't have a, a, a testimony of, of the the prophet when, he's, when he suggested that the young men not have more than one piercing in the ear, like, yeah, or, or tattoos, or, or dating, you know, and I, and I think, I personally believe there's going to be some hard things he's going to come out, you know, there it, is hard. It, it, the it is world hard. is, world is separating, and so if you got if you do want to just follow the prophet, like, get that spiritual testimony, then it's easy, it's like, all right, cool, we're going to do this. It's a lot easier when you're all in. When you're all in. Right. Yeah. As you said, Christ said, if you're lukewarm, I'll spew you out. I don't know if you necessarily yeah. will spew you out or whatnot, but all I know is that it's harder to follow when you're not in You got one foot in Babylon, and one foot. Babylon can be really fun. And entertaining, and, and, and appealing. And, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's easier to just have your, to burn that summer cottage in Babylon. So new prophet, new time to rekindle that testimony. Get that spiritual witness for yourself. Don't rely on your parents, your your cousins, your or your bishop, wife, your or spouse, your, wife, your husband, or whatever. Get, Get it for yourself. Read, read some talks. Go you know, read, read some books. 
Read some books. Listen to some talks. <laughs> Pray about it. Pray about get it. Get get a, a, I have a testimony. You'll I, get one. I know he's the prophet. Yeah, as soon not, as as soon not, as when he got called, you were like hitting me up and we're like, hey, look at all this stuff. Boom, that was it. I just had to, I just had that feeling right when we were reading it. It was like, you know. So I'm 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 bringing that home and we'll finish on that our news on there. So that's all right, my so challenge the world. Dude, I love it. I love it. Pray about our prophet. Um, Brad said you will get that testimony. If you're not, write us. And if you're uh, prescribed opiates, like nearly everyone will, At one point be aware life, of what's going to go down. When you stop it's a powerful taking them, drug. it's a powerful, you will feel those side effects. Doesn't mean you're an addict, just means you don't take them again and those symptoms will go away. Stay tuned for Neil. That's the news. Okay. step, just like every other step, I say every time, it's perfect uh, when, I, when I got to it, because um, back in the day, when I was active in my addiction, and in these cycles of hurt, and, and, and causing a lot of havoc with my friends, family, and, and people around me, it didn't even have to be while on drugs, just with my personality, and my, my weaknesses, and character defects, or however you want to call them. Um, when I would seek forgiveness, I wasn't truly sorry at all. I was just trying to manipulate the situation so that the pressure could be off me or I can get what I wanted. And it's very, very common for most of us that are addicts. Um, we, we, we just want to go, like the minute you're like, okay, I'm ready to quit, I just want to go say sorry to everyone. Like, I just want to make everything right, just everyone forget about it. I mean, I've seen that with myself. I've seen that with a lot of other people I've tried to sponsor or, or just in general. It's, it's common because... We just want to, you know, it's our nature to just want to brush it over, you know, brush things under the rug. And um, with this step, there's so much guidance, just like all the other steps. And in seeking forgiveness, I like the part where it said, um, first list the people you have to forgive. That's not, you know, that's not easy to do. Like, it's just not. I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're an addict or you're just a regular person that's, that has no addictions, like the ones that are listed in this book or in this program, to to forgive people that have done things to to you or to your loved ones or even institutions or places and things or heavenly father whatever it is it's not always easy especially when there's some serious stuff that has been done and but i've seen this step and i've seen others including myself but like you know doing step work with other people i've seen like miracles i've seen people forgive people that have done some really bad things really tough things and and i've also seen myself with myself i um you know a lot of different situations and um, I'm just grateful that each step is set up the way it is I mean if you just went into step nine which is go seeking forgiveness you know to go make restitution to people would be horrible but th this is just it's perfect because it tells you to make that list first and then to, to pray for those people and to to work on that charity and humility and then you work on that other list you know and I like how it said too I mean once again it's like when I first read this the first time I was like man how do they know everything about the, the same names were on both lists Right, like, because it's a cycle, like, especially with close friends, relatives, family, whatever, coworkers, um, you get in a cycle. And I like this step because um, 
this is kind of like the last cleanup from your past, you know? And then when you go into the maintenance steps after nine and 10, 11, and 12, you're constantly like, you know, step 10 is when, when, you're, you, you, when you're wrong, you promptly admit it and you, you, know, and you move forward and, and you, you make sure you don't have to have to make a list like this again. You don't ever have to make a, a step four again, you know, an inventory of your life. If you do these steps the way they're supposed to be done, one by one, until you're done, um, you're not going to have the baggage from your past. And now you get to, to use your past for your advantage for the rest of your life and, and to help other people. And um, this is kind of that la these, this and nine are the last two steps that, that I, I think that, that are crucial to, to putting your past in the past and moving forward. And it's not something that is going to be done perfect and there's not one way to do it. But once again, if you get a sponsor and if you follow their counsel and do whatever they tell you to do, you'll figure it out. I promise you that. But it's key. It's key to have a sponsor. It's key to, to, to make sure that whoever you're working with has done these steps, you know, ha has been there before. That's, you got chairs? We're good. Just pick a chair. Um, and, uh, you know, um, I don't know what I was saying. Step's true. Uh, give charity prayer to others. Yeah, I don't remember what I was saying, but I'm grateful you guys are here. We've got some new people, so I'll, I'll, I'll be quiet. I'll keep it short. And um, whatever step you're on tonight in your life, personally, just share about that. It doesn't have to be about this step. If you're not on step eight, I sure as heck, when I walked into the meeting, you know, coming off of five different prescriptions, I mean, I was I was consuming close to 1,000 pills a month from from... Percocets, Vicodin, Nordico, you name it, any type of opiate. I was taking Soma's, Muscle Relaxer, you know, other Muscle Relaxers, Xanax, Adderall, all those things. My wife had left me. I promise you, when I first sat down at one of these tables and heard the step, there was no way I was going to share on step eight. Like, there's just seeking forgiveness. Are you kidding me? I didn't even know where I was. Like, I didn't even know what was happening in my life. It was just a whirlwind. So that's okay. So share about that. Just open your mouth. I promise you, there's a power that happens when you open your mouth you get fed. And there's a saying, closed mouths don't get fed. And so if we keep our mouths closed and we don't really share what's going on, where else are you gonna get counsel? Like where else are you gonna find a room like this in the church, um, unless it's at another ARP, you know? Where else are you gonna have a place where you can talk about it, you know, to people? And where you're not gonna be judged and everyone's gonna understand. And um, I promise you, if you share, everyone will understand and you'll uplift others and you'll probably find the solution for wherever you need to be. And, um, I say that in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. amen. Leave the poser at the door. Boom. That's what I remember this man saying many times say that, the first yeah, time. Yeah. What did you mean by that? That's a good one. Wait, what is your name? My name is Neil. Neil I'm would a... walk in here, and I remember him during share would say something about leaving the poser at the door, and I wrote that down many times. What does that mean, Neil? That means that when I walk into a recovery meeting that I don't need to put up a front about um, being concerned about not being able to share my feelings or trying to hide or, or, or put on a face for anything or anyone. Like, I can just come in and I can be honest and I can share what's going on in my life and it's a safe place to do that. And by doing that, I get help. I get help from the spirit. I get help from the meeting and from other people. Why did you say leave the poser? Where do you see posing happening? Posing is a big part or has been a big part of my addiction. And, okay. and basically, it's, it's a coping mechanism. It's, it's a way to deal with life to this, where the, you... That rang true to me because it, 
Um, I grew up here, and the word poser was used a lot when I was and a surfing. Right? Yeah, and surfing, right? Like <laughs> surfing, skate. Don't be such a poser, yeah, which means like, don't pretend. To act like don't act like you surf, and you're not. Most yeah, don't act like you surf. Youth were just trying to over, like, to get to a level where we knew we weren't posers. Like we were like, oh yeah, we're doing this thing, like you know. Yeah. And then so, that way we could call other people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right, like no, I'm a real this. Yeah, so I'm you're a, a poser. Real. You're pretending. So that when you said that, I was like, ooh, wow, that's cool. So yeah, when I and I I think yeah, just that day there was I just. I'm like, man, I'm glad I have a place to come where I can just come and be real and be upfront. So, Neil, um, you're on the segment called Ask the Addict. How do you, are you an addict? I for sure am an addict on uh, recovering uh, from pornography addiction specifically. Um, and that's kind of how I identify. But there's a lot of different, there's a lot that goes, goes in that, goes into that and, and a lot surrounding it. Uh, like what? What do you mean? So, so last week's episode that was on here was we actually talked about self-identifying. Yeah. And, and Jay and Xander, we talked a lot about yeah. how to identify. And so how, maybe let's start with when did you self-identify or start to realize, like, beyond a pure pornography curiosity? Because I think most males are probably attracted to the female body. That's something we're inherently born with. Would you agree with that, Jay? I think all Humans, but yes. humans, but males. But are I don't know. Maybe prone. just the media is like males are more visual. I've always we get been taught that. more. Yes. Um, I know we're not. It's not a hundred percent, but uh, yeah. biologically we're more visually stimulated. Visually stimulated. It could be the guys or girls, right? We've had people on there. So, yeah. so, but, but you. So, yeah. When did you? I guess but this when, question. When did it start? When, when did you? Realize? When did it go beyond? Like, oh, this is a, a yeah. healthy, normal yeah. visual stimulation. Well, so I mean, honestly, like I can't. I, the first time I saw pornography, I was probably like five or six years old. Hmm. I ran across magazines, um, and then continued to to kind of see that. And this was pre this is pre internet days. You said but, magazine. But like, Most kids these days don't know what a magazine is. Yeah, yeah. And so, but it was like it was everywhere. Like a friend's, you know, a friend's older brother had it. A friend's dad, a friend's uncle. Like seven. I was in Utah. Oh, so oh you didn't have that. that. <laughs> they didn't have. Okay. It's pretty, but still, like everyone had it everywhere. And so, like, I came across it. Aren't the pornography laws strict in Utah? Right? Like, yeah, they like were I read really there. I don't know if they are. I thought I've read news articles about that. Yeah, it's it's different. But it was still plethora. There was still. But it, it didn't. You, you can get it. It's it's you know it's not like that's that's stopping anybody. It's like but the beer. There. Yeah, it's <laughs> like hey, no beer on Sunday, but it's still you can still get it. You can still still get it anytime. Mm-hmm. But but yeah, so I came across it as a young age, and that was kind of my introduction to like women and like sexuality and like. I, I grew up in a family of all boys, and so I didn't, like, have sisters around to kind of paint, like, a, hey, this is what uh, it is like to have, you know, a, a healthy, relationship. healthy relationship with, you know, a, a sister or, a, you know, a close friend or something like that. It was just all kind of all boys. Um, so I really, that was kind of my introduction of, like, so very that young. was. Very young. Yeah, like, because... That's a common thread between most addicts and, and especially obviously sex addicts or pornography addicts or drug addicts even is like most of us were introduced in a very unhealthy way to like have relationships with others. Like, you know, especially like in a like sexual relationship. Like you, I was the same way. I was introduced before like before I could learn a healthy way of how to have a relationship like date a girl, take yeah. her out and all this stuff and fall in love. I saw pornography. Yeah. So you're yeah, like at exactly a young age distorted in your way yeah, of like how to it. show, 
like it's so gnarly when you said that I really it creates like a for me what it did is it created like a mysticism like a something that you know it took you know now understanding it I'm like yeah people are people man like people have feelings they have emotions they have suddenly it created like well women and women in this segment are like yeah they're they're like mystical there's something like that's not you get addicted to that unreal component yeah and that was my association was like oh that's what this is even though that there were people around me that were you know i'm like well yeah healthy relationships normal people i have a cousin she's a girl like we talk there's nothing you know it's not like that but pornography kind of created that for me and so that continued on unhealthy like no matter what yeah yeah all all through and then you know once i started getting into like medical middle school and stuff like that and you get those emotions like that's still the association of it's it's there's a difference yeah. like it's not just this person is a person with feelings and emotions is like well this person is like you know there's there's a different kind of way that well, you yeah. view you objectify yeah. you yeah, learn yeah. to objectify, you learn to at, objectify a young, like, yeah. at a young age yeah and that's kind of what it is it's funny because like the obviously this <clears throat> is not a political podcast by any stretch but like the media likes to say like masculinity and men like we did, we uh, like you say um, objectify women, and we learn that from other men. But really, uh, no, we learn that from pornography. Most men that objectify women like, or have an addiction or really haven't identified they have addiction like we are. But just in general, most people who usually objectify women usually learn that from women being objective, su- submitting themselves to be objectified yeah, on a stage. They themselves. And, 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 and they, they play. Fa- and it's a fake. It's all know, fake. It's, it's played it's into, you know, it, yeah. It's a movie. It's fake. It's and it's, fake. And it's too bad it's that real. it goes that direction because it's kind of a cycle of like, It creates you know, this. That, like, okay, weird, this yeah. is what, in order to be attractive to men, I need to play this part. Yep. Yeah. And I gotta be this as a dude and then that's how they really want so we've kind of, you know, and I, and I, yeah, I've seen that and I saw that, that growing up for myself. And so, you know, I, I will say sex addict to kind of as an all-encompassing that's like objectification that's pornography I mean there's yeah. you know, masturbation it's like when I say addict there's, I mean like everything like yeah it, it's <laughs> and, and really at the end of the day what I think it comes down to is is lust yeah. I mean sexuality sex like comes from God I mean like Heavenly Father yeah. gave this to us as a gift but <clears throat> somewhere along the way the same way that with like a prescription drug or something like that it's prescribed in a natural way that you know it it gets abused same thing with sexuality like i figured out in a young age like how i could abuse that and and it turns into something totally different it turns into lust which isn't natural which which isn't god's way of like this is what i wanted this satan's counterfeit of love yeah satan's counterfeit and it's something totally different so one thing i was thinking you know brad usually asks questions but i thought about uh like so do you you you're throwing out a lot of terminology so did you grow up in the church yeah yeah so grew up in an lds family parents super strong um brothers like there's just a lot of chaos uh in my family growing up um, just, you know, with drug addiction and different things. I had a brother committed suicide, you know, overdosed a couple of times. Like, just a lot of chaos. Older my, brother? Yeah, older brother. But my parents were just stellar, like, really solid in the church. And so, like, I had that growing up and, and you know, went through the ranks of, of the priesthood and... Progress through the ranks of the Iranic priesthood, <laughs> deacon, teacher, no, priest. Yeah. No, but that's yeah, a good thing. Yeah. So, so while yeah. he's saying that, so while you're doing this, because we've had other guests on here, this is their story. So I wonder if it's your story as well. Um, 
it while you're progressing through the ranks. This is a big no-no in the church, right? Like, I grew up outside the church. Yeah. You Not get, a no-no at you get, all. You get asked in worthiness interviews before temple well, that's trips. The thing. I mean, Did you? Yeah, like, it. I don't remember pornography coming up, like, until I was probably, like, 12 or 13. I okay. It was the okay. first that's time that I heard oh, yeah. a quote from, like, hey, don't look at this. By that time, I was like, but dude, that was long gone. So what my question is then, so they asked that. Growing up, it's a no, uh, in the church culture, it's a big no. Yeah. Like, and then, do, were you honest? Because we've had guests on uh, that are sex and pornography addicts that um, hit it their whole life. How, what was your story? Yeah, so I, I was secretive about it, yeah. um, you know, viewing it and, you know, everything until I came... I want, I finally, like, I didn't know that I wanted to go on a mission for a long time. Okay. I, like, ended up dating a gal in high school that was, was really solid and kind of helped get me there. Yeah. And then I remember I come into my bishop and I was like, you know, he'd asked me, he's like, hey, are you going to go? Like, you know, he called so like me into his office. 18, so I'm like 17, 18. Okay. And, and I'm like, yeah, I want to go, but I've, I've got, you know, I've got a problem with pornography. You know? Yeah. And he's like. Like, all right, well, let's let's work on it. You and ninety percent of the men I work with. <laughs> well, he was he was a new bishop. I think yeah. I was like the first. Oh, really? Told him. I, so like, even better. It felt it was awkward. Yeah, a lot of like, it, it was uncomfortable, but I did it. Cleaned up and and went on a mission, and that was kind of myth myth number one for me. Like, well, go so on a mission. So you thought a mission and oh. uh, this was this, that told this to you? Do you think? I mean, obviously not on purpose. Like, obviously no. Well, that was the expectation. That I'm was like, the expectation. I'm like, hey, I'm going to clean up, go on a mission, and this will never be a problem again. God's going to change and, my heart. And I, yeah, like, yeah, I and I did, dude. I, I, I went. I didn't. I didn't have have issues While on my there, mission. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I gained like a solid testimony. I knew. I knew it. You know. And you were leaving that behind. And I'm like, I'm done, man. Wash my hands. And within three months of getting home, like, came home late one night, clicked on the TV, and just the old kind of ritual fired up and found, like, a rated R movie, saw a scene. And then it was, was like, periodically, and it just started fading in. And then it, you know. So so pause that real quick, um, your opinion, Jay and Neil. Like, because there are people that maybe pre-mission that they maybe experiment on drugs, maybe they experiment with pornography and masturbation or, and then they clean up, repent, go on a mission. And then it's never an issue again. And then others come back and it's uh, it, the, the cycles, the <laughs> cycles, too. but that, I don't know the numbers, obviously no, yeah. no one knows the numbers, but that's, that's the difference between being experimenting. I think it's the difference between being an addict. Being not. addict yeah, they and say not, that in, right? the, in the big book and the big book. We kind of talk about they say, so, and in Joe and Charlie tapes, which is the thing on the big books. Um, they say that like most uh, alcoholics they're talking about, right? In the in the 30s, they were saying that like if they would have st- if they would have st- like stopped in their experimental days, they wouldn't have become. They be- they believed they didn't really know, yeah. But they believed that was like their feeling that we wouldn't have we wouldn't become full blown alcoholics like happened. addicts, yeah, yeah. Like where we had to have it. Maybe there was a choice. A so yeah. so within three months, you're back into the same rituals as you called it, and were you like, what am I doing, like? Yeah, I mean, I'd been at this point, like I'd been through the temple, I'd made covenants, mm-hmm. like you know, and I had the expectation that I would never do that again. And mm-hmm. so I, dude, I felt horrible. I was like, I taught this on my mission. I was kind of, I was pretty self righteous when I got back to, like, judged other missionaries that had come out back from their missions, and like, I'm like, yeah. dude, what's up? You guys aren't gonna like, you're out partying. Like, you taught the gospel, you had this change. Like, what's the deal? Like, look down on people, mm-hmm. and then I became that guy, you know, in in my own way. 
And so I, you know, I felt bad. I started working with my bishop um, in okay. the singles ward. So you repented or with your repentance yeah, process I for mean, that I, right I away? I was like, all right, cool. And, and, and I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm, I went in, I, I talked, you know, talked to him. And then I, you know, I did well for a while and, and, you know, had some, some abstinence, felt good. And then it just like, then it would happen again. And then I go back into my bishop, have that conversation again. And, and he was, you know, super supportive really cool but like it was this cycle that I started so was there any contemplation on your side like maybe I'm an addict or was it just I'm just making bad choices along the way I'm like being tempted and I made a bad choice looking back I'm like dude I was for sure an addict like the whole time but in hindsight during that during that time time, I was like this is just a tendency like and I told my bishop at the time I'm like hey you know, he's like, well, are, you know, most of the other time you're living the commandments, you're striving to do what's right. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you know, there's just this 10% of the time that you're having a problem. Like, don't let that define you. And I, I took a lot of comfort in that. And I was like, yeah. And so I, I kind of had it in my mind. I'm like, it's a tendency. I remember I'd said, tell that to myself. I'm like, ah, it's just, a, it's a tendency. I have a tendency to be prone to this. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, and maybe at that point it, it was more of that, but this cycle continued for the next, you know, few years really like you know i'd have stints of what i would call sobriety you know now did you call it you didn't call sobriety no then, right? i wasn't in recovery or yeah, anything okay. at that point you didn't know the terminology I or didn't anything, know about, anything. Yeah. and i you know i'd only told bishops yeah like two bishops at this point and so continued to date and like was really intentional about how i did that i really wanted to be did you like, do celestial dating you know what that is jay Celestial. That's got to be so, a, normie, a normie Brad term. Yeah. <laughs> Brad's my favorite normie. Did, Neil, is it Neil that coined me the normie too? Yeah, yeah, normie okay. Brad. So normie I got the closed door and normies I'm comes from this guy, Neil. Normie Brad. Well, I remember on my mission, <laughs> it was like, you know, I collected all these like things, right? It's a notebook full of cool sayings, whatever. It was like celestial rules for celestial dating, you know, like always double date. Don't go yeah. out past midnight. Yeah. Never lay down. Yeah, um, that was hardcore. Oh, yeah, I remember that. hearing those. Yeah, um, was that like? Yeah, you were like, I'm gonna make sure I, was, I, dude, I, was, I date I was, safely. I was trying to be so intentional and righteous about it. Like it was really important for me to get married in the temple. Okay, that was the one thing I wanted to get right. I'm like, if I screw up everything else in my life, I want to marry the right person in the temple, and so that was super important to me. And so I, you know, I dated very which, intentionally. Which, which, Jay may laugh because you didn't have that, but like that's. That shows you the power of, of of the sexual desire, right? Like you love this person, you want to go to the temple, but if I'm dating a girlfriend, dating a girl, that things get a little intimate. You're making out, like you got to keep things safe because it can lead. You yeah. get out of control pretty quick. Oh yeah, yeah, and it, and uh, I mean I kept it super legit. I think you know I was, I was really good in the dating arena mm-hmm. kind of early on, and um, but pornography that was like a whole other animal. Like it was just this compartmentalized secret. And that was like the power. I I think that was a lot of the draw that I struggled with. It was, was like, I can control this. I can control this experience. Like there, it's my little, my little thing. Was it, was it, uh, progressive? Like were you, were you getting more, like more frequency of it? it Yeah. So, so that, I mean, and, and really kind of what, how it worked is, is it was like pretty at first, it was just kind of like, all right, you know, some late night TV and skimming through that and whatever, but it evolved. And, and then, you know, then it turned into internet and then it was like pictures and then that turned it and evolved into, you know, there was a natural progression that just, the more you engage in it, the more it happens. And then it was like videos and then it was, 
you know, so it continued <clears throat> to progress that way. And, and I think like it, it just got, you know, it was getting more and more un, unmanageable and I kind of knew it, but I, I didn't really want to admit it. Um, but I think it kind of, I think where it took a turn, a dive for me and I, and this whole time it was that same pattern of like mess up, come in and talk to your bishop, you know, repent. And then I just, I could stop. I just couldn't stay stopped for like more than, you know, a few weeks or maybe a month or a couple months. Um, but I was, I was trying. Um, but I think I got frustrated. I, I kind of had this pattern and Corinne actually talks about this in her podcast of like, who's Corinne? My wife. Okay. Mint Arrow, as okay. she's known as. I'm. So Corinne was Corinne was on the podcast a few podcast. episodes ago, um, but we didn't uh, go beyond who yeah. Corinne was. Yeah. So now we're we're out in the open. It's kind of it's all out on the on the World Wide Web. Our story. So I, I, yeah, I can kind of say that now. But um, but but yeah, I, I kind of had a pattern of breaking up with girls after three months of dating them. I think it was just kind of that was the period of like things could be awesome for three months. And then as soon as it got kind of too close, I was like, I couldn't handle it. Cause then that was like, I had to start being like was real. It, what, um, what do you mean? Cause I was scared to death when I was dating. Cause I want to get married in the temple, but I was like, just, I was scared to not marry the right person. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. yeah, yeah. Um, and, and were you like, this isn't the right person or was it like these, I don't want this person to find out or I don't have my, a lot of my stuff I think in a check. Common, what a was, combination. I mean, okay. it was, I think I had an unrealistic expectation of what that relationship should look like. Okay. That someone would, I was like, someone's going to come in and just be this perfect person who's going to save me. And like, we're never going to argue. We're never going to fight and life's going to be great. And I'm going to feel awesome all the time. Like it's just going to happen to me. To me. <laughs> and that was the problem. And obviously I never found that. And, and okay. I think until I met, Corinne kind of sorted me out on that one. She's like, look, it just it doesn't work that way. But, <laughs> it's not like the movies. Like, you know, and she, she helped, I, and I figured it out. I'm like, this is what, a real, this is what it okay. is. So, I mean, but, but yeah, I struggled with that, and I think I got frustrated. I got frustrated with God. I was like, man, well, I'm trying to be righteous. I'm trying to do what's right, and this isn't working out for me. So I think I got frustrated, and I kind of was like, you know what? I'm, I made a conscious decision. I, I had a couple relationships that were really like, really good people like there's no reason for it not to have worked out other than me sabotaging it and I realized it and I got frustrated and I'm like man this isn't happening I know I, all these people are just going out and having fun like like screw it dude I'm I'm gonna just go out and I'm gonna mess around like I'm gonna I'm gonna go make out with some you know a bunch of girls or whatever I, I made that like a conscious decision to, to, to not turn. look for that, quote, eternal spouse and just go. Yeah, and instead like, of dating, I was caution. very... You were going to social date anymore. I'm, I'm gonna no go longer just... going to just like every day, every weekend, have a date and be very intentional. It was like, I'm just going to go mess around. I'm tired of like trying to do this the a lot legit of work. way. Yeah, like, yeah, and, and I was, you know, looking at pornography. So at that time, I moved up <clears throat> to northern Utah and lived by myself and... Kind of had Are you made in college this, this time? Are you out of college? I'm um, in college. I was in college for freaking ever. Trying <laughs> to, like, took the long route. Like don't, yeah, don't do that. <laughs> um, but I moved up there for a job. Um, okay. I, I worked up up in northern Utah area. And, and I got, I think, I was in this state. I was in a new city. Like, people kind of knew me back in, in, you know, Salt Lake as, like, oh, you're, like, you know, I tried. I had the, the poser, my poser. And it, it wasn't fully poser, but it was, like, 
this this kind of act of like I'm the good guy. I'm like the knight in shining shining armor guy. I'm like you're the sword, strapping dude, stud, like, got the testimony, return and, missionary, like, return missionary. Like I, you had it all, which was right? which like I mean, like I did have a testimony. I was a return missionary. All that was true, but I, but you had this dark. I wanted secret. yes, I did. I was I had this dark secret, and and I and that was kind of a front. And so when I moved up north, suddenly I was like anonymous. Nobody knew me for that. And so, and I was by myself, had an internet connection, and it just was like, boom, every day. So it really progressed. It really progressed at that point. Yeah, it just like, I had made a conscious decision to say like, whatever, I don't care. And And as soon as as an addict, like a true addict that maybe even not be at an addict yet, Red, like just so you know, like whenever that statement happens, which I've had that statement happen in my mind and said it even out loud, I think one time. It goes down real quick. Oh yeah. Like, what did you say? It, it, what did like you say, say, saying like quick. like you know what, dude? Like I'm done just dibbling and dabbling. I'm just gonna go find my own doctor. Or same thing with pornography. Okay. Like you know what? Trying to keep the rules and going to see my bishop every other month is freaking it's hard. Just a and I'm like, like I'm seeing him looking at me like that. You know what? Yeah. Whatever. Like yeah. and then as soon as I said that, dude, that door gets kicked whoa. open. Yeah. Okay. I I cracked it open a little bit and it got booted open in my face. So like, okay. yeah. So then it just was like. It went from like, oh, this is kind of a tendency to where it was like every day. This was know, a lifestyle. Time duration, like, you know. Time goes Time is like, wait, what happened the last three hours? Yeah. Like, what, you know? And and I think, you know, and then in, in you know, dating relationships, like the, the type of, of people that I was, you know, attracting or, or trying to, you know, hang out with, like, were in a different place than the gals that I had previously dated. Okay. Consciously. You but I like, I consciously, you consciously were seeking out yeah. girls that did not have yeah. the same standards as the other girls that Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And and you know and and it was kind of a part of this whole it just like my life began to ch- like it just started to dim is the best way I can put it. Like it just started to get the lights kind of just started going out. And, and I was isolated, I was by myself, I was acting out all the time, you know, watching, you know, pornography all the time, you know, hanging out in these situations. And I, I got to a point where I was like, no one is going to stop me. No one, I was like waiting for the lightning bolt. I was waiting for like some act of God to, mm. Someone to come into my life and be like, "Hey, man, I just have a feeling that you need to stop doing what you're doing." Like some random stranger would. Walk hey, did you up ever? Me, when like, you say that, uh, you just remind me. So, did you ever play in your mind, like, kind of like this scenario of like this? It, it, unless that happens, I'm not going to stop. And if it happens, then it proves that you're there, God. Like, like, did you have like this? Like, uh, when you said that, I just remembered that I went through a scenario like that where, right after my mission, where I was living like you were saying, yeah. and I was like, "Dude." It, if you come, if you like, if you stop me right now, right before I watch I'll this, stop. then then maybe then I'll stop because like then it proves you're like there. The home teacher's the knock on the door right yeah. now, demand yeah. a sign. Or like you show me God exists, then I you, yeah the cable goes out or whatever. Yeah. Okay. I I didn't. I mean, I didn't have that expectation, but I just realized I had that impression. Like, this is all you, man. Like, this is you. You will determine. Like, I'm not going to stop you. And I and and I like that means I just was like what's where's my life going like I felt like I was always so progressive about a career in school and like trying to get ahead in life and all of that just came to a halt and I just felt like I was at a dead end I was like paranoid getting just tripped out living by myself like 
So it's interesting. I'm going mind like that is so like with a drug addict or someone drinking or smoking weed. Like if you just replace that, I moved to myself and yeah. I'm just buying sacks of weed and smoking tons of yeah. it and I'm not motivated to do my stuff. I'm hanging out with the wrong people. Yeah. Very exactly. That was just exactly interesting. what I wow. did. It was the same thing. So when like Jay talks about like, yeah, drug addict, then I was like, dude, it's, like, I, it's the same thing. Like I, I resonate, you know, it's, yeah, it's different, but it's like, I resonate with what's said. So I think one I, thing too, I, I thought when Brad said that, and then you just answered was that, um, goes back brad we just spoke to the young men and young women you know in our ward right in our stake 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 and the world throws out there like hey you throw caution in the wind and you're gonna have a blast and yeah you just, it's gonna be awesome and like yeah. you just explained just up to now we're not even done with your story but just at this point in your story the minute you finally did say okay i'm gonna throw caution in the wind commandments to the back burner and i'm gonna put it all, all of the world stuff that i'm into and i'm just gonna live it and like the world says happiness the voice in your head says happiness and then it get reconfirmed by the world and so on and so forth until it doesn't. And then that's now where you're at. Everything's it's not, <laughs> yeah. it's not happiness. Wick, I found for myself, wickedness yeah. is not happiness, dude. It's I was another confirmation. I was miserable. Yeah. On the and outside, did you look miserable? Did Would people oh, tell? No, like people probably been, thought. I was still going home so and hanging out with good. friends. So, so you were still hanging. Because like for me, I wore every, I'm like, you know who I am. Like I wear everything on my sleeve. Yeah, so yeah, So like yeah. people could see when I was doing good and when I wasn't. Even without drugs, just with pornography. Like when yeah. I was home for a mission, there wasn't a lot of drugs. It was, I mean, I dibble and dabble. But like mine was more the pornography and hooking up with chicks and stuff. Like that was where I would then get really guilty, then I'd throw caution to the wind, so I'd look fun, but you know, anyways. Yeah, yeah it's all over. So and I was, I was still, I was isolated, dude. I, I joked, good at, yeah, I, joked I was like castaway style, like I'm going to make a volleyball and start talking to it because I'm like living by myself. Like I, it was hard, man. And, and I would still, you know, go home and hang out with friends on the weekend. And I don't think they really knew, you know, yeah. we, would, we were, and, and we were kind of, we were out like hitting clubs and stuff every yeah. weekend and just living the life that I'm like, I, I, I knew in that moment, I'm like, this is not me. Yeah. This is not who I am. And I know it. I was living a lie. Like, I knew. And even the, like, you know, the a gal I was dating at the time is like, who are you? Like, mm. you go home and you talk about, you know, going to church and like, but then you're up here and you're, you're different. You had like, someone call you out then. That's she's crazy. like, who, you know, and yeah. I kind of, I hid so, the so, fact that I was a return missionary. I like, kind of didn't want her to know. So, but, so like, oh, wow. help, help me understand growing up in Utah culture like that. So like, are you going to clubs partying or so let me, like, like it's you for me, in Utah. It's just more like, it's just a different, a culture. lot of people it's, there's a lot of shades like, of gray, right? Like yeah, I'm a return missionary, but I, they're telling they you about their mission Mormon while they're drinking things, a beer just, or they're doing, yeah, it depends. Stuff, it's like, kind of like what level of Mormon are you? Are you like the dude that's like, you know, you go and hang out, and you, you but you don't drink, or are you do? They still do the, the same thing. They just party, either high, they're like higher drunk, or, or they go also have sex. But they it still like, like golf, football game. Like I mean, a lot of yeah, it just it just kind of depends. And and so I was like, I was I was yeah. I mean, I, I was kind of in that gray. I chose had made a choice, you know, I'd, to to actually not even be in the gray area to be in like in the non area. Like I wasn't the really dark gray church. Okay. At that time, I, I was a but little But you were bit, still like, like I'm, I'm a return missionary, and were you like, I still want to get married in the temple? Or, I still or that... wanted to, yeah. Okay. I never lost, I don't, through the whole thing, I never lost my testimony. I always knew. I'm like, dude, I, I know, you know, I'm, I know this is true. I'm just choosing right now not to okay. live what I know. And, but I remember having conversations and just thinking to myself, like, what, what am I doing? I was saying out loud to myself, 
where I was at and what I was doing. And I remember just being driving in my car and saying out loud, literally, I'm like, what am I, what am I doing? Where is this going? Like, I, what? Who is this? Did you have any buddies that you had shared that with too? Or was that all internal? Yeah, so, so, you know, back the story up a little bit. I had a friend that came to me and actually talked about, you know, he's like, it kind of came out. He's like, hey, I got a you know, problem with pornography. And he was married and he, he kind of okay. like talked about recovery. And he's like, hey, you know, gave me a, a white book for essay. Like, and this was like. Oh, because he knew you were? No. Oh, he, he just, he, he was just sharing his he experience. He kind of like, it kind of was a situational thing where something came out where I was like, wait, dude, what, you know, why, why are you here? And he's like, well, you know, I've just had some challenges with my wife right now. We're going through this. And then he told me, told, told me. So, um, so I, I had, and this was before I moved up to, to Northern Utah. And so I kind of knew about recovery, Okay. but I had chosen, I kind of chose, you know, made a choice to be like, you know what? No, screw it. Did you like, that's not me. Like he's got a problem, but I don't, or I, I no, I identified, I was like, dude, me too. Like okay. I, you know, I was okay. honest with him, but I just, I wasn't ready i think to, okay. to do anything about it so 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 that before you moved up to your hole or whatever you called it with with your volleyball yeah yeah with yeah your Wilson, northern utah you had somewhat i self-identified as an addict at that I, point. I knew i know well maybe not necessarily well i knew yeah you had a problem you didn't, i still didn't want to be like i'm an addict i mean i i still struggled but with you that. probably didn't even understand like i didn't even i was a drug addict yeah, for most yeah, of my life yeah we well, use the know. term addict now but you're like i got a problem beyond yeah i was the, like i have a problem i have a tendency i know it's okay. an issue like i I was to terms with that and started to relate with maybe what this guy was dealing with. Yeah. He, okay. Yeah. And so, and, and, and before, and, and just to back up, I mean, I think this is an important part of the story is like my brother, the one that committed suicide before he died, he'd, he OD'd a couple of times and just his story is just, is gnarly. Like, but he sat me down and got very serious with me one day, and he's like, I want you to promise me that you'll never do drugs, drink alcohol, like smoke, parties. Like, this ruined my life. And he's in the midst of never his do, life. Yeah, and he's like, you promised me right now. Like, he made me promise him. I was like, whoa, this is intense. And then he committed suicide probably within the year after oh, that. So that stuck with me. How old were you? I was like 12. In sixth oh, grade. Oh, wow, okay. So it was right at just the pivotal moment for me. And so I I made a conscious decision at that point. I'm like, all right, dude, I'm not going to do it. So the, within the year, people were like, hey, you're starting to smoke weed around me, drink alcohol. Okay. And they kind of knew the story. I told everyone. And so they knew me as like, oh, Neil's the dude that doesn't drink or party or whatever. And, like, they respected it. Mm-hmm. And But meanwhile, I'm totally looking at porn and acting. Okay. You know, I had that. So... That, that probably, uh, that probably saved my life, to be honest with you. But, so that's why I never, like, really partied. Had that not happened, I was pretty, pretty teed up from what I had seen in my life before that happened to, to go that direction. Yeah. So, fast forward back to, you know, living, living up in, in northern Utah, like, this was my struggle, this was my battle where I was at. And I remember walking into conference. This was like fall conference, October 2007. I actually just went back and listened to this last night. And I, I was like just 
drunk on my addiction basically but I'm like I want to I still had this light like enough light to be like I want to I want to go to priesthood session mm-hmm. and I remember the gal that I was dating was like what like you're going to where were you, know? were you feeling like it was hopeless like you're never gonna be able to stop with a lot of guys we've talked to have like I w- I'm just gonna more, this is just the thing I'm gonna do my whole life and I don't know how to no, stop it was more like what am I doing okay like, how, where I'm in a hole and I'm like I know what's right and I know who I am okay. and this is not me how like but not knowing how I to get out. I want to get out. Like okay. I wanted that. And every talk just still to this day, if I go back and listen to it, I'm like, dude, what is they it? October twenty oh seven? October of two thousand seven. Okay. Boom. Pornography, like repent now. Like spoke directly to my heart. And I was like, I walked out of there and I'm like, okay, like, okay. All right. I went home. That's the commitment. And wow. I and I prayed. I was like, Heavenly Father, like, I I want I want out of this. I don't I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to be this person. I don't want to experience this. Like help me get out. Like I, I want out. And over the course of the next week and month, like just a few key things happened to where like I, you know, kind of cut things off with this a gal that I was dating and like went in and saw my bishop. And and this this bishop changed my life like he was was my friend's dad and you know i i was just wrecked i walked in there and i I just was like dude i you know i this is where i'm at i've got this you know major problem with pornography i kind of knew at that point i was an addict and i'd made some mistakes you know in in the relationships that i'd you know my dating relationships i'd been in and he's like okay like meet with me each month or and we'll, we'll talk, we'll work this out. And so over the course of the next, like, three years, I met with him weekly. And during that time, I messed up a lot. And every time he would meet with me, he's like, is it, is it getting better? Are you getting better? You know, and he didn't focus on, like, hey, you screwed up. Like, what happened? You know, he mm-hmm. was just like, is it getting better? Focus on the progress? Yeah. Yeah, okay. like, where are you at Not with the perfection, it? And the he progress. Would, and, like, this guy... For all intents and purposes, you know, for all intents pur- purposes, like I, I look at it and I'm like, dude, I, I probably should have been disfellowshipped or, or, you know, had some disciplinary action. But I like, I don't know, like he, he was so in tune with the spirit and just worked with me. And did it, he mention anything about ARP or? He did say, so he, he was like, you know, I'm happy to work with you. I'm happy to meet with you. If you ever get to a point where you feel like you need some professional help, I can refer you to LDS Family Services. And so I, once I, that was like the start when I started to really try and stop. And that's when I figured out what it meant to be powerless. Like, I didn't think I really was an addict. I was like, oh, you know, tendency. Like, but when I tried to stop after doing what I was doing, like, dude, I, I was powerless for sure. So but you're using that to that's a a a a r p term now, but was that a term you used then? Yeah, like well, I have I haven't even been going to, to meetings really at that point, but yeah, but I mean, so you just knew it was it, it was something it was, beyond you, yeah, to be able to yeah, it, willpower alone wasn't going to stop. It wasn't going to stop. So finally, I basically he, you know, I was like, hey, I think I got a problem. Let me refer me to LDS Family Services. Okay. So I went there. I didn't honestly I didn't have a great experience. Um, and is this just a one on one counselor yeah, type situation? Yeah, okay. but it, but I mean. I, and so at that point, I'm like, hey, 
you know, I t- went back to my friend who kind of opened up to me. The and, other guy that yeah. you mentioned, okay, he was and going to And he's SA. like, hey, I'm, you know, I know this outpatient recovery program, like I know the counselor, tied me up with them, got me going to 12-step SA meetings, okay. um, went to my first meeting, you know, had an, had an amazing experience. So you're going to a 12-step SA meeting, which yeah. is just like any 12-step meeting except the drug of choice is sex, pornography sex, or sex, sex. Anonymous. And then you're also meeting with a counselor? Um, I started to, yeah. Okay. And, and they kind of like, were like, Hey, you, you know, you, there's this recovery program you can get into. And then about this time is I'd been dating my now wife, Corinne. Okay. And, um, so I was trying to get, you know, kind of get that put together. And I knew we'd had some conversations. I knew I'm like, so you're dating her and you're like, when do I tell her about I'm going to these meetings well, or was it? No, not even beginning? that. I knew she'd made a comment about pornography. Like we'd had a conversation about it and she's like, well, yeah, when guys look at pornography, this is what happens, you know? And it was kind of like a negative thing. Yeah. And immediately I'm like, I'm not your guy. Like I was like, oh. immediately just wrote off the relationship. Wait, did you I didn't tell her? say that in did my mind though. I was like, oh, okay. Guy. Yeah. Okay. I'm like, okay, it's been Cool. It's been fun. Um, okay. But we kept dating, and she, and I was like, and I really liked her. Like mm-hmm. she was. I'm like, this this is someone I could potentially marry, but true to form, I broke it off, and I was like, no, dude. Like I, I you know. And then she. It's not you. Did you say that it's not you? It's me. <laughs> I'm sure I used <laughs> some kind of line. I'm like, it's not you. It's me. <laughs> and which it was. It was wasn't her. It was I don't know. This would have an appropriate time for. Yeah. That. Like no. Seriously, it's not you. It's you. Seriously, it's me. But um, you know, she called me back and. I was like, hey, what's the deal? She wanted you. And she's like, I thought things were going great. Why yeah. Why did you break it off? And so I told her basically with the thought of like, okay, I'll give her closure. I I'll never told anybody. Yeah. I'm like, here, I'll tell you, now you can run. Yeah. Run far and run fast as you, as you can. And so I told her, and she she hung out. Like, she hung around. She was very compassionate. What, what did you say? I'm, I'm I just of- said, hey, you know, I've struggled my whole life with pornography. Like, I have a problem with pornography. And um, I just kind of talked to her a little bit about that. And did you say that. you were going to some meetings, getting And then I said, it? yeah, I'm, you know, I'm going to these 12-step meetings with a friend. Um, you know, I'm, there's there's a program. So I kind of looped her into that. So she got into the outpatient recovery program with me. Oh, okay. And, um, you know, we were dating. We were serious at that point. And we started, you know, heading towards engagement. I was getting some sobriety, a little bit of traction, but still, I mean, it was still a struggle, man. It was, it was a battle, but, um, and God, this is also fuzzy to me trying to think of, think how this all was, but basically, you know, we were going to this program, the outpatient recovery program. I was going to meetings and really just getting into recovery. I was getting sobriety, but then like I had a relapse and it was like several months out, um, and the, and the first big relapse I had, I lied about it to her, and she and then I came out and I said, "Hey, I actually relapsed." And, we were engaged. And can I point. ask? Like a relapse, if you're an opiate addict, would be taking an opiate, right? Either relapse if you're an alcoholic is taking a drink, crack, great, taking a drink. Relapse in sex or pornography is I viewed pornography and self gratified, okay. more or less. Um, okay. Because we we see, I'm of opinion, we see pornography all the time. Yeah, yeah. Like, I'll drive home and see a billboard, right? If I yeah. pull up Instagram, I'm going to see something. And there's, that and there's different probably, lines. I mean, it's like, so. you know, no masturbation or pornography or, like... Within know, with the essay, what is the... With, in, within an essay version, it would be, like, with a progressive victory over lust. So some guys will add in, like, 
a bottom line. Like, hey, my bottom line, my new bottom line is it's not just like, hey, I'm not going to have refrain from sex with myself or with other people. It's like if I see <clears throat> pornography, I'm not sober. I've broken my sobriety. Like if they've, sought, bottom it, they've line sought it out, like I'm going to... higher and higher. Like sought um, it out or they like got... They sought it out. If I seek it out, type in www.something. Yeah, yeah. If I pull something up, I'm no longer so. And so you, they, they raise that bottom line. So you're like, that's a progressive recovery thing. Progressive over lust. Okay. What's your opinion on that? Because I like that. I think I think it's good because I, I mean, you know, it's gotta. You're kind of you're going forward or you're going backward, really. Like, yeah. You gotta be progressing. You gotta be getting better. Yeah. And lust is, I mean, they same as alcohol. It's cunning, baffling, and powerful. Like it comes in many different forms. Totally. And so it's objectification. It's you know pornography. It's there's so many different versions of it that you can act out on, that you really have to tighten it up in every and single make it area. And, and, and be honest about it. And and, 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 and you work with? Do you have a sponsor? Yeah. So, so I, I, had I would sponsor. imagine that's be very critical to have a sponsor. It's, yeah. It's critical in any yeah. type of recovery, but to have and a sponsor was, I mean, to be was, able to have an honest discussion and find out what it is. Yeah, that and, and it, it was, pr- I mean, you get you get into the nitty-gritty and details and like, look, dude, this is what's going on and this is where I'm at and this is what I'm struggling with and and surrendering that and talking to him about it. Um, so, yeah, I was very much involved in that. So you go to this outpatient treatment, live happily ever after, get married? and I wish, man. I wish that was my story. I wish I was the guy that could have turned it around. But went into that program um, and it, and I I was a good it was a good experience for me like I, I did get a lot of great tools and so Corinne wasn't so happy about it no right? when we if you're listening to this go back to the one I think just this yeah, Corinne on it yeah she was hindsight reflecting upon it no it, she she yeah she has some pretty negative feelings about it I learned a lot I got a lot of tools out of it but really what I learned is like tools didn't save me. Like, I kept thinking that I would get to a point where I would make a s- discovery within myself through this process. Some aha moment or something. That would flip a switch, okay. and I would be like, I no longer want to look at porn. I no longer want to, you know, do this, blah, blah, blah. You mentioned, like, uh, some belief window that would, like, you'd figure out and clean up that window, and it would switch. And it you. would, yeah. I thought yeah. that there would, through this process of self-discovery, like, that that would happen. And it helped to kind of demystify things and like water things down. Did it help take shame away as well? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it it helped with that because I'm suddenly the shame of being honest with yourself and with others in a meeting, a group environment, self, you know, like self acceptance, self identification, like, you know, getting rid of those shame, like cutting through denial, how to work with your spouse and their trauma. Like I learned a lot of great tools. But that's What's like still... a good book you read, like uh, yeah. like self help book. Yeah. It's like it's it's like, it's like whoa, you know, this is like, amazing. Whoa, paradigm shift. Whoa, I never yeah. thought about connecting those dots. Mm-hmm. Now going and actually connecting it, applying it is, is like, a whole other. It's not going to happen overnight. I love, it's not going to happen yeah. in an hour. It's not going to happen in ten. I hours. listen to like Tony Robbins and be so stoked out of my mind, but I'm trying to apply it. Trying to apply it, and I can apply it for like two hours. The dog running around just like chasing his tail. Like what? What do I do? So I I had. Great, like my understanding, my knowledge. I was like, man, this is why I'm acting out. This is where it's coming from. This is what I can do mentally. I can do, you know, a relapse prevention sheet and go through this exercise if I feel something coming on. But it was all still just me trying to fix me on my own, like at the end of the day. 
and and I still struggled, man. Like we got married, and you know we got married in the temple. I was sober. Like, you're not really going to a consistent be there. meeting at this point, like where you're like I was, home meeting. Okay. I had a home SA meeting that I was going to, and I was going to the the recovery program. Yeah. And continuing. So, so SA and ARP. Is that uh, not ARP. Okay. This was the rec- outpatient. Oh, recovery outpatient program. recovery. Okay. Um, that was a group meeting as and well. I, and yeah, so it was a small group meeting, same guys every okay. week, and with a therapist that you sit down and you go through book work and stuff. In Utah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, in Utah. And then I, um, yeah, I thought I had it nailed down. And then life, dude, life showed up. Like, suddenly I was married. There was responsibilities. Like, I got to make more money, all this stuff. Took my eye off the ball. Like, and, and, you know, and I I don't know. I don't think I really had it nailed down or figured out at that point anyway. Like, I had had abstinence. I had abstinence. But I don't think a lot of us feel like it's really safe when we have abstinence. And then that's where we've been. We like you just said, like you just finished saying, you dropped the ball in a sense, like right, because you don't see the the punch that knocks you out is the one you don't see. Right? Well, what I've learned a lot is being sober is different than being in recovery, and yeah, maybe 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 with the sex, it's it's having abstinence is different than being in recovery. Yeah, absolutely. That, that but in order to, oh, yeah. to get okay. recovery, I had to you got I had to figure out how to be abstinent. Like, yeah, I had yeah. To True. figure out True. because I was yeah. nuking out all these feelings. So in order to, to figure it out, I had to stop doing that so that I could feel what was coming up and then deal with it. Did you think now that I'm married and I'm having sex with my wife that like, well, I, don't, I don't need number to? Number two. Maybe, yeah, myth That's number one, one was the mission is going to cure it. Myth number two is I'm going to get married and it's going to go away. Total myth. Um, I think it's Do you too, really think this? We really believe yeah, this. Yeah, like, I believe this. I believe that it was, I, I And I had I had a bishop tell me this. Yeah. He's like, hey, you're going to get married, and this is not going to be an be issue, problem. Like, like This is going to go away. Well, because the normie married. mind is, I can't wait to have sex. I can't wait to have oh, sex. Yeah. I can't wait to have sex. Oh, okay, I can't have sex. Like, hey, All right, I'm cool. having sex now with but my dude, wife. There's a lot that goes. There's a lot that goes into that. It's like it's not it's not it's not lust and acting out is way different than connecting spiritually with my wife through the intimacy process. It's two different things. And I quickly like learned that, that I'm like, it's not the same thing. Um, And so because of that, like there was still this addictive component that I was working out. Like I really, you know, I relapsed. She was devastated. She was like, man, we've spent all this money and all this time, all this effort, and you still can't figure it out. And then I felt bad about it. So, I, again, cycle. I'd lie about it, act out, lie. And you're like, well, I don't, yeah, might as well just go back to hiding. Like, I got on the workout before. But, um, but yeah, so it, it was just a progressive cycle that spiraled, you know, pretty quick. And then I got to the point where I was like, you know, I, I had a sponsor that I was working with me. He's like, dude, don't, don't take that to your wife. Like, if you, you're hurting her every time you say, telling you know or being honest with her you're hurting her don't take that come to me with that so i'm like well that sounds right okay so i so i did that i like was acting out but being honest with my sponsor but i was lying to my wife and then i think i got like a two month chip and she thought i had like six months she found it in the dryer she found a two month chip and was expecting a six months uh why did you get a two month chip today and i'm like (laughs) um well, I totally got bust on, and then she, you know, obviously Busted. was super upset. Yeah. She's like, "Oh, you know, we." It was very bad. It was rough. And at that point, it was like, because let me ask: Is when you're in a relationship, and she was, you were very open before you got married. Was yeah. and being in recovery was a common conversation. Like and same with you, Jay. Like, yeah. is this a question that, and answer would be different. Like, hey, 
have you acted out lately? Or like, yeah, there like, was, is there, there, there are these questions all the time? Yeah, and is all that, the time. And, and in your program, was that expected? Or? Yeah, that was part of it. It was okay. like, hey, you got to create safety with your wife. Okay. Through like, so she can you ask you whenever, or like it was kind of me like coming in like, hey, let me give you some reassurance and safety that I'm in a good spot. Was there a pre-scheduled time that's that was At counseled that point, to you? No. Like every Sunday, I tell you if I was good. We or? did that. We went through different stages okay. of like a weekly, a daily, uh, you know, and and I think that you know had its own challenges with it, but it but you know that was the expectation is like, hey, you're gonna be honest with me. Okay. Like, I, I need you to tell me what's going on. Even so if you I mess up, some, I want to know. Even if you're messing up, like, I want to know so I know where you're at. Mm-hmm. And I can have some safety. And so I, yeah, I didn't I, I didn't do that. And so, she, you know, long story short, I quit going to SA. She found out about, about ARP. This is, this is after the blow up of the two-month With, chip? Yeah, and okay. the, and my sponsors, you know, the what I the okay. agreement I'd worked out. Gotcha. So she, you know, she's like, well, let's. My friend Mandy talked about ARP. Let's go to ARP. Let's try that. And and you know, that's the gospel. That's so I'm like, okay, like if that's where. And again, if you haven't listened to Corinne, maybe pause here and go listen to hers. Yeah, and the, she can talk because she focuses on this experience. phase of like how her friend opened up to her about her relationship with yeah. her husband, and she's like, you need to go to ARP. Yeah. Right. Okay. So, so we went, and it and and I had a chip on my shoulder about it. I'm like, where where was your first, where was this at? Is in Utah. Okay. And um, you personally had a chip on the ARP, or just you had one in general? Chip on my shoulder about like church run twelve step meetings. Okay. I was like, this is watered down AA. This is like. Did you get that personally, or was that? I'm curious. So did did SA or the or the private the the pay for therapy give you that impression? Partial, both both. I'd say. Okay. I'd say like. Part of it was was just me, and the other part was like just stuff I'd heard. I'd heard just negative. That's the irony of us as addicts. Like, yet you haven't described once having success yet, but yet still walking. <laughs> yeah, in and I was and like, dude, this guy like, sucks. Like, no, no, that's how I was. Like, I walked in. Like, I, I've said what, this. What are, like, Xander taking me to my first meeting. I was arguing with him for hours before we got there. Hours all day that he was an addict and I wasn't. Yeah, yeah, same, so same. Like, stupid. Like, we're just, and, and I, that just shows how you were an addict, but you just thought this was watered down a. I'm like, this is yeah, this is not. Like, what are the Mormons Give me the real this. deal. Give me the, like, I don't want the watered down version. I want Xander like, used to be that way, actually. Towards a, uh, so, A-A-S-A. so even though Xander took me to ARP, he doesn't talk about this, but like he was, if we if we got him, if he was here in the room, he would talk about it. It's not a hidden secret, but like for that first year, even though he brought me there, and that's what worked for me. He didn't. I mean, he would go, but like his was a, a was like the the. Okay, cool. Thank you so much. Um, he would uh, he would actually not. Um, he. Oh yeah, he he would not. Um, he, oh, uh, watered down a yeah. So he he would actually. I don't know. ARP wasn't his necessary thing. Like yeah. he, he wanted me to go to A with him. I mean, he went. But, like, and we res- he respected the dudes in that original meeting, for sure, because they were AA guys, most yeah. of them. Um, but, like, you know, AA was his thing. Yeah, you know and that's I mean? how I was. Like, I had a love for the big book, AA, like uh, all that stuff. So when I went to ARP, I'm like, this is just, they just took this and watered it down. I had an attitude about it. And that's then, how he was, yeah. And so, so did you go to so AA or SA? Cause you I said, went SA, but okay. they ran it very much like an AA. They Correct. read from the big book. They followed the 12 traditions, all that stuff. Like so I think that's, so that's cool right there. You see the, the yeah. comparison. Like, I mean, Xander, hardcore drug addict, mm-hmm. not really ever identified as a right. porn addict or a sex addict. Um, and yet 
he felt the same way, and he used to say a lot but, you yeah. know, about but, it. But that's, we get feedback from listeners in other parts of the world, too. We're like, hey, pornography or sex, it's different. It's different than alcohol or drugs. And what I'm hearing from you, and I've heard on most people we've talked on Nasty Addict, is like, no, it's not. Like, you just plug in. Dude, you switch it. You just switch it. It reads it's, the, same, it's, way. the yeah. same way. That's what I do when and I so read the big book. When you read like, AA Big Book. I say yeah. that's sex instead of alcohol. Same thing. And it yeah. makes perfect sense. Okay. So, yeah, I went to that. And we went for like four weeks, and we moved to California. Um, oh, really? You moved to California, or you went? We moved. That's when so you moved. We okay, moved. So yeah, it was right before we moved. Just a crazy surf, you know, bunch of events that basically came out here. And That's when I met you. Things were sketchy, man. Like, my, yeah. in our relationship, Corinne was still, fr- like, just fragile frustrated and was like, we, I didn't know where our relationship was at. Like, really? You know, and I started going to ARP, and I met, like, Jay, and I was blown away because I rolled in there, and I was thinking, like, okay, this is our ARP. All right, we'll see how it goes. Be just like Utah. And these, and, like, you got you got the group leaders, this, like, 40-year James, who was AA, on there. like... Yeah solid and and it's like an AA meeting but they're talking about Jesus Christ and they're dropping like quotes from the apostles I'm like this is like the restoration of the gospel like they take something all the things that are so legit about AA essay that I love like those that foundation and then combined it with the gospel I'm like this is amazing and the shares were the same and they were raw and they were real and Jay share so I'm smiling like, because that's how it's supposed to be, but I'm curious if, like, ARPs all over the country aren't that way. No. And so. our first ARP meeting was me, my wife, and the missionary couple. And it was... But, but even We're laughing because we heard that a hundred times. I know. Yeah. I, it, was, I, it was still it's, good. But, but, dude, I found I found something in that meeting that I'm like, this is incredible. That's why we used to drive it's, from Whittier. It's, when it's we found addicts it. helping other addicts is what it is. Because me and Lexi, technically, I actually went to my, I never talked about this, but I went to one in Utah too right before, because remember, she said she wanted a divorce. I was still trying to convince her, so I was manipulating whatever, and I went to a meeting there, and I was like, that's a joke. And then yeah. I never went back, and then we came here, like our first experience so too. Can like you just here. pause for my benefit and for maybe some group leaders that are listening? Because there's like, People that are called, they like love, they want to help, but they don't know how. Like I would know how to help, except I modeled what other people were doing. I yeah. went to AA meetings, and I went to ARP meetings led by AA people. I'm like, why is why do you do that? Oh, that works. Go to the big book, watch the twelve yeah. steps, twelve traditions. What was it that you guys? Just a side note here. What what weren't they doing that you experienced here in the San Clemente meeting? Well, he has, he has more experience in other meetings. So okay, what, what, yeah. were they, what were we doing, like just, you said? Just to help some of them yeah. or maybe someone, because we have people that go to other meetings, like how can they help their meeting? Yeah. Be, well, I think it was, I mean, what I, one thing that I noticed in the, in the ones we went to in Utah is like turnover. Like okay. you never had the same There's addict showing foundation up. There's like the no... No one, like, no one really had a lot of time. Like, it was like, hey, I'm, like, three days out. I'm, like, a week out. Blah, was blah, it blah. because they were just... Or they me- weren't saying. Me- were they meeting yeah. shopping? Were or they? because they're... I get the vision that because there's a chapel on every... No, I don't think corner. if people I are in momentum, was, then everyone just, falls out. It was, like, kind of okay. like everyone was new, but would come for, like, two weeks and then not come back. And okay. But there was just this continuing cycle of, like, so, 30 people that would true. just rotate. Until it was a it door. We were so, kind of like that, like realistically when we, so San Clemente, that took five years to get to, the, but little did you know that that meeting was going on for six years, seven years prior, prior to you walking uh, in and seeing yeah, this amazing, it and it, it really, it was still really small because then it got really big and you'll go yeah. to that, but like you walk in there and see this, whoa, this is powerful, 
but like they had seen the same thing like for, for years where it was a revolving years, door. Years a revolving door. We saw it for months too, like where I was the was, only one was, sponsor. Was the big like difference that. with James because he was a recovering? Uh, I, I, yeah, because I had my first my first six months was with the uh, with with the other I leaders know. that were there. But they weren't addicts in recovery. There weren't addicts exactly. in recovery there. Exactly. And, I think and, that's, they, and they were doing it to help a loved one who yes. was an addict in recovery. So they they they, were, they had the right intentions. But there's another thing when you get a dude up so, in the front. So that's why normally mine is like, I, I'm useless by myself. I need to have an addict in recovery in the meeting. And if yeah. you're running a meeting and you don't have a re- addict in recovery, you need to go get one. Yeah. Find someone in SA. Go walk. Go to all the other AA meet any 12 step meeting where it's secular and find another member of the church and say, Will you please come to my meeting and be my facilitator? Because yeah. that's where you start to get traction. That's where I think San Clemente got traction. And that's me. what I would love. Like I, I, Jay would share, and like James would share, and like I just got so much out of what they were saying. And it was the first time I'd really gone to general. Well, I'd gone to general back in Utah, but like hearing drug addicts talk and, and share about that their experience, like I'm like, dude, I totally relate to this. And they spoke in such a raw way that was so real that it it spoke to me. And they were like talked, sharing hey, stories. Hey. I was like, like, man, that's incredible. Like. Jay talked about his story. I'm like, man, that's amazing. Like, I would get so much out of that. But I was still, I mean, t- again, poser. Like, I wouldn't. I we wouldn't didn't even really say, know. I didn't even say what my addiction we was. We didn't know. And at mm-hmm. the time, Brad, to put yours in, in where we were, um, that room was f- only alcoholics like, and addicts. Alcoholics and drug addicts. There was no yeah. one in there identifying yet. Maybe they were. Or maybe, and usually well, most of us, like I've identified as that as well. But most of us were in there identifying out loud yeah. as alcoholics or drug addicts. Like, mm-hmm. that's and it. And I just would hang on, like, I'm an addict. And he know. would say he was an addict, and okay. I, I don't even think I knew what it was until way later. It wasn't, later, like, a year into. later when I was yeah. finally, like, like, it was a big moment. I'm like, okay, I'm a sex addict. Like, Did you feel bad, say, like, were you more shameful saying a sex addict? Or yeah. was it more because they were drug addicts or because you were more ashamed of like your own? I I mean, just full disclosure, yes. I felt like it was more acceptable to say I had a drug problem and or alcohol problem than you a pornography. No like, yeah. like there was a le- there was like a stigma that I it was just on me. Yeah. It was my own vision. But I can see why I would. There's no one in the room. I was room like, also dude, like it. I'm the only perv in this room. Like like I felt, you know, I just was like, oh great. You know? or, or yeah, so I was like what? You know But did you after you open up, did it did you feel anyone say judge you like oh that's no. more okay no absolutely not I felt you know I felt love like I but it was yeah it was kind of a weird experience and then you know some other people started showing up and they were like hey you know they eventually came out and said yeah. I, I'm you know pornography and around the same time that Neil started coming in was a couple other people and then it's funny these other meetings that have spun off of San Clemente yeah. almost fifty percent or more. All, 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 all the new ones is because of, I mean. Yeah, no, but I'm saying, uh, sorry, I meant uh, all, out of the 50% of the members or people who are coming to the meetings in all these different three, four different new meetings are now identified as sex or Oh, oh yeah. yeah, yeah. And and side note on that, I was, I like, Corinne started coming to it. I finally got her to come to these meetings. Yeah, because you came alone for a long time. Yeah, for like the first And what was years. going on during that? So your marriage is still rocky at that oh, point? Oh, sketchy, yeah. I was still like relapsing, really new. trying to meet with my bishop, okay. like going through just a lot of crap. Okay, and so then how do you, where do you get to the point where now, because I, I remember that first meeting when yeah. you both walked in. Yeah, it was gnarly. So, I mean, she, she Obviously, started... Obviously, me and Lexi, did you go home and tell about, yeah. like, hey, there's this couple, or did you go yeah. just keep... That was... Lexi was it? an inspiration. I, I, like, well, both of you guys, I was like, man, this isn't crazy. Like, there's this But more couple. so her, you're like, whoa, this but Lexi, life is cool yeah. now. Lexi, like, like she's positive. A lot of times, well, the women that I would hear about or t- hear from in recovery were like, 
had been hurt. Yeah. Like there was a lot of emotion there, and it was kind of like bitterness. pretty. They're pretty bitter, but but Lexi was like, "Hey guys, I love recovery." Like, I was like, "This is amazing." So you, so you saw that and like I want my wife to experience. I'm like she. I like, knew. I'm like she will get. I know if she comes, if I can just get her here, I know she'll feel the spirit. I know she'll have an an, an experience. I'm like, totally. ju- I'm like just for her. I'm like just. She, I'm like she, I just felt like, not even for you. Like, an impression. Her, yeah. I like a strong spiritual. Like you need to get your wife here, and you know start bringing her and she talks about it. You know her experience and it's it was very powerful. negative and and that was that's real. She yeah. was just like, I hate all you guys. I want to punch Jay in the face. Like that was. She really totally, came home and said that. Yeah, I mean, it was. <laughs> it was pretty raw. Like even just it was her being really, in the meeting. Like really I said in the meeting, tough. like when we had her on here, like I had a hard time. I, like I wanted her to be there, but when I realized like she didn't have the same. Ex- remember, this is all new still to me too. Like I'd only had a year or so before the him. So uh, yeah, at that time when he brought her, so like it's all still new, right? And so I didn't have this type of experience where I've seen several meetings start and people come in and come out. And so I was just like, well, she didn't have that experience. Well, then I don't want her there because she would come and say really what was going on. And you can feel the anger she had towards him. You can feel the anger she had towards all of us and the judgment. And I had never seen a wife yet because I've been going long enough, right? Now I've seen You don't see your wife. I don't see my wife experience, which now I realize is not the rule. It's the exception. Mm -hmm. But it's the possibility, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right? That makes sense? Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. And... and yeah, it, but I knew it was good for her. I knew I'm of like course. she's getting it out. So, so you'd recommend because like you, now you're you're still in a sketchy place too. But you're you've seen progression now. So yeah, like, Dude, the same thing can happen. So with I, and I was still I was I still struggled for a long time. Because yeah, you would call, ARP, like we would man. talk like we would talk all the time and like I still I honestly his shares like from day one of him walking in there he's like me he's good with his words right like and. and he also is smart, so he did obtain a lot of and knowledge you knew the over the years. Twelve steps from AA and the big I book. I could talk. I could say a lot of things and sound. And and this was again part of the the pose. Like I was more concerned about having like a share that sounded good than actually like because just that meeting about was, where I was fully at. like it was most people. It wasn't. I mean, there's only a few that I can think of that like weren't really good at speaking. Like it just happened to be that way. Yeah. Like that that meeting just happened to have people that were really they're very articulate, very articulate with their words. So like. It was that's why most of us got recovered because you listen and you're like listening to a story every time that's so inspiring. Yeah. It starts off this and rocky, and then yeah. all of a sudden, before you know it, they drive it home, like you said, with the spirit and the AA and so, steps and Christ. And you're like, Whoa! And so, then, so, um, where, where did for lack of better words, the steps stick? And when did, when did you have this change? When did you have the change? We can hear Corinne's dude. story of, of it, of her change on her. On yeah, her. Yeah. So when so did it stick you? for you? Like, what was. Was there a turning point? Was there a meeting? What was it? It got, it got bad. Like I mean, I was I was acting out. And it was just you know it was pornography and and like, I just could I could I knew where I was at. I knew where it was gonna go. I'm like, if I don't stop pornography, it's gonna get worse. It's uh, it's gonna go live. Yeah. It's gonna go clubs. It's gonna go massage parlors. Like, I saw that cliff. And I remember doing step one and doing the exercise of like fast forward your addiction and what does it look like? And I wrote it out and I'm like, this is this is not good. This ends with me alone. Yeah. So I I'm, was meeting with my bishop at the time and this guy was, dude, this guy's a stud. I have a testimony. I'm just going to say that of bishops. You have the bishop you need when you need it. This guy came in. I gave him my story that I gave bishops. So like my pedigree of this is what I'm doing. I've been in an outpatient recovery program. I go to 12 step meetings, all this stuff, which is kind of a way to be like, isn't it kind of like build your resume. So like, I know more about this than you. Yeah. There was kind of like, you know, and that comes out like, Hey, I'm like, 
I know what's up, you know. Yeah. But, he, but I got a plan. I'm yeah, good. Yeah, I'm a plan. I'm good. Hey. Don't I'm need just, to freak I'm, out on me. I'm checking the box, so we're good here. Yeah, I'm, I'm just go. doing this. Can this I take part the sacrament of, now? Yeah, you know? we good? Like, I, I just did not have, like, full repentance, you yeah. know, like, repentance in my heart. You weren't really surrendering, saying, like, hey, I going was. in there and going, hey, I'm still struggling. What do you? What's your advice? Yeah, yeah. He So he's, I said all this, and he just listened. And oh, yeah, sat this is the back, best part, yeah. <laughs> and he looks at me, and he's like... Well, that's great, but if that would have worked, we wouldn't be sitting here. And like after you give him this whole, I I gave him this whole spiel on how great I am in recovery, and it just like the way he said it, he said it with like love and by the power of the Spirit, and I knew what he said was true, and I was like, okay, like and and from that I started to really listen to what he said, and I had some powerful experiences with this bishop where he just in total love, and from completely by the spirit would say things that were so bold and so direct but he would say them with so much love that it like it he called me to repentance he's like you need you need to repent and i was like i remember walking out of the meeting with him and i said and i said to Corinne, i'm like if anybody else would have said that (laughs) i would be i'd be offended like i'd want to leave you know no i wouldn't leave the church but But i'd be offended but I walked out of that meeting and I went home and he, he basically was like, you're still holding on to this. So I, I prayed and I'm like, Heavenly Father, whatever has to happen in my life right now for this, for me to repent, for this, for me to be humbled, let it happen. And two weeks later, I lost my job. Um, I struggled to, to find another job for, for a few months, like. We eventually started working from home, which was helpful to me. I was in outside sales before, which was bad for me in my addiction. So it, it, it over the process, I mean, this was like a few years. I'm, this is kind of a shortened version, but I was compelled to be humble. I wish that I could have humbled myself. So There's I scripture about that, right? Like, it's better if you humble yourself. But Yeah. But most but, of us, just so you know, because you always, you're pretty, when you, when you speak of your story, sometimes you say what you just said, and I cringe in a sense because I'm like, dude, we're all that way, like, I don't know, I don't really know any addicts or alcohol. In fact, I don't know any that show up to the room willingly. Maybe, maybe I, maybe one or two, but then once I get to know their story, it's usually because they got caught, or it's usually yeah. because they're what, like, like I said, life hit, has become they hit, unmanageable. They hit some bottom, some bottom. And so what I'm saying is, is no one usually just like woke up and go, okay, everything's going good in my life, but I'm screwing up inside, so I'm gonna go then get clean. And by the way, I heard there's a meeting, Bishop, where is it at? Okay, cool, I'm just telling you right now. Yeah. Like, no, every one of us, now may, like, stumble along the way. Like, yeah, you walked in, saw people like me and Xander, whatever, but reality is Xander went for years on and off, relapsed every 30 days, every 30 days for year, seven, eight years yeah. before you met him. And I just never admitted it, but I was, like, on and off forever. And that was my story. Yeah. I didn't have the turnaround. I mean, literally, that was, like, six Six plus years, seven years of just like pattern relapse, getting recovery, like relapse, blah, blah, blah. Until I finally got to that point and I finally said, James would sit and bang on the manual and he'd be like, do the steps. Say say it like he says it. (laughs) I can't, Jay does it. Jay, say it. He's like, do 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 them. One, two, three, all all the way through 12. (laughs) And then once you get up to the top, you got 365 degrees. 360 (laughs) degrees. I added an extra five degrees. And then you get extra vision. That's that's what I'm talking about here. You see what I mean? <laughs> all of them. You got to do them all. 
Exactly. And he like looked that. right at. He knew because he, he knew which one of us were coming in there and struggling. Because yeah. like there was, it was small still. Mm -hmm. So he'd look right at like he did that. For he would me look forever. at whoever, whatever step you're he on. He used to like, count one, two, three, and then look right at me and go four. And then he'd like <laughs> talk around and he'd do the same thing with Neil. Like he did yeah. it with all of he'd us. He'd look at me and he'd bang on him and be like, do the steps one through twelve. One he, through twelve. You know, he's like, but he had, he had street cred because he. Oh yeah, because he was this legit. guy had like, I mean, his story's gnarly. Like, I mean, yeah, it's great. He's got such long sobriety, but like when you like we've had him on here, yeah. his his episode one twelve is one twelve. Yeah, you got to go back because I, I learned some stuff. I thought I knew a lot about him, but like, no, he was riddled with relapse and riddled with consistent over and over and over and over again. And I heard something the other day, to stop real quick and then go back into your story, that, like, I was telling someone today, and it's because of that video you sent me um, about the historian on yeah. AA. It talks about, like, we really only know what works, and the reason why, guys, like, now you are one of it, and I'm one of it, and James has, was that leader for us that pounds the book and say, do the steps. We only know that these things work by the fact of all those who failed doing something different. Yeah. Right? Like, that's it. Like, unfortunately... And that's what your bishop said. He's like... Well, yep. what you were doing didn't Obviously work. It didn't work. Didn't and I, work. And I think that's finally what happened. Is I fail. I can't even count how many times I failed. How many times I lied to my wife. Just burned it down. But I finally got to the point right? where I had. I was like, I got nothing. I'm done. I'm like, I will do anything. And I pulled out the manual and and just started. Did it the way doing the steps. Simple. That's Simplified it. it nothing, right? Like, because there's like eight questions, maybe I seven. I answered the ten. questions. I read through. I studied. I prayed before. I was very There's not really a lot of work, though. Like, really? It's like, we that, make it. I yeah. mean, I, I, blew, it I a year to do my four step. Yeah. I complicate things. Hence, my story here is even, like, ridiculously long. But, like, you guys have to edit it down. But, no, um, no. It's <laughs> long, long for me. We never, we never edit it. No, you guys are serious. But, yeah. <laughs> um, but no, with this, that's all I did, dude. There wasn't anything magical. I just had real intent. I, I like, that's really awesome. wanted to be like Heavenly Father. I seriously just... I will do whatever you want me to do. And then boom, you got traction. And then I, yeah, I started, it started to change. I started to feel different. I called up, I met, you know, I called up a guy and said, hey, can you, you know, can you sponsor me? Kept talking like, hey, I'm going to do the steps. I'm going to do the steps. Finally, he just would kind of hang back. He's like, all right, all right, all right. We Finally, I'm like, I will call you when I actually do the steps. I'm not going to tell you I'm going to do them anymore. I'm actually just going to do them. By the way, and, we have and, the same sponsor. And let me, let me go through, because you've gone through the steps before. Yeah. And so I hear yeah. sometimes people that don't have recovery, like, well, I've already done the steps, but yet they're living in their car, yeah. you know, I getting another DUI. So is there such thing as doing the steps and being done with them or constantly? Like, no, I mean, it was them? in a different program. And I don't know how thoroughly I really worked them the first time. I, I think I'd work like one through five really thoroughly. But but you could have said, well, I'll pick up at six. But what you were I saying started is all over. you I, start over. I had to throw everything out. Everything I thought I knew about recovery with my, my outpatient program, everything I thought I knew from SA, everything I thought I knew, I threw it all out the window and I just started from ground zero. I picked up the manual as though it was my first time I'd heard anything about recovery. So if someone else has been relapse, relapse, this program, that program, $30,000 here, five, whatever you're doing, you're saying... Well, this would... If I was talking to myself... Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you could go back... Dude, throw all of that out the window you know nothing like that's this is what i tell myself yeah that's i'm not i'm not do. saying this to like, um, you know the, everyone has different circumstances but this is what i had to do before this actually worked for me is and i i got to this point because i'd failed so many times 
that it's like I just ran out of things that that I could even do. I was like, I just thought I was beyond, like, just this wasn't nothing's going to work for me. Terminally unique. Yeah, term exactly terminally unique. I thought that, and so this is like this. I I equate this to the serpent and the staff in the wilderness. You know, children of Israel they get bit by the snakes. All they got to do is look, look at the up. staff. Mm-hmm. This is what this program was for me. All I had to do was work these steps very simply, very intentionally. With a sponsor. With a sponsor, and that's what worked for me. Like, it wasn't overnight, dude. It was gradual. Like, I, I slowly just started to see that kind of kind of change. I got hung up on four forever. It was brutal. But I got through it, and, and I... All and, the greats get hung up on <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna Jay say that because he's like, oh, dude, I didn't do it for like two years. Two years. Yeah, yeah. Don't recommend that. But but and part of you sharing that helps me to get get to that point where I can do it. But then six and seven, I felt I honestly, I felt that God came in and changed yeah. my nature in a way that I had not felt before. I felt like it was me trying to change it the whole time before. I talk about all the stuff I was doing and all the tools and all this mechanics, but I but I almost would like leave God out of my shares a lot of times. Like, that's how I was. But I finally at that step, it was just clear, and, and the steps preceding that, it was clear as day to me. Like, the only way this is happening is through Christ. Christ came in, the atonement came in, and changed something in me that I could not do for myself, and. I absolutely can just testify to that. You know, that is my testimony. It is only through, for me, this was my experience, only through Christ. Like, Christ is the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father but by Him. That's how it was for me. And that was the thing that changed it. And I felt different ever since. Like, I have to retain that. I have to retain a remission of sins, like the big book says. If you know, you get a daily reprieve based on a, maintaining a fit spiritual condition. Like, and now it's about retaining that remission of sins, which is 10, 11, 12. But that changed for me, and that, that it feels it's different than just like, hey, I went to a program, and I learned some cool and, stuff. And you're beyond being abstinent. You're in recovery. I, no, I feel so much so that you're on a podcast. So much so your that I broke out. <laughs> I mean, you and your wife both like have like right. Like, I mean, you guys are. Yeah, she's got a huge social media footprint, but we we felt and not even just the social media, like a social media footprint that you know starts in fashion, but then now has been com- turned yeah. into like her sharing testimony, and, on, and then now this. Honestly, and we felt we've been planning this for the last like two years to do this. Like, we felt inspired and walked through this process honestly i've been digging in my heels for like a year <laughs> but i felt like it got to share to your story to share sure. our story to open up but it got to a point where there were so many right? spiritual impressions that i i couldn't deny it i was like okay this is what we're but it, it's so like i i go back to if if some you know bill and bob hadn't shared their experience yeah the snowball of recovery wouldn't happen. And so just in my life, if Jay had to share his experience. Which if I didn't hear, if I didn't go to that meeting right. and then watch Carissa, like that girl, I talked about her all the time, but like she came and then she died. And then right. that's what kind of springboarded me forward to like, hey, this is life and death. I, I had, of course, lost people, but not in the church like that, that quickly. Like I thought I was just, like, everyone's just going to catch on just like I did. Right. Because that yeah. was just seemed so overnight. 
but it wasn't. But like someone was there and she was working it, 76 days sober, I believe she had, went on one trip, came back, died, or didn't come back. Parents came back the next week crying and it just kind of hit me. And then, and then at that same time, I got that news and I was like, and I just moved into the ward, right? And I'm, I'm suffering because I'm not doing all the steps, right? I stopped on three. And then finally, I'm just like, dude, I, I like, I wanted to like just show up to the ward. And me and Lexi could have just slid under the radar, just like you guys can under your social media footprint mm -hmm. and in your business, you know, and the stuff you guys do and the stuff we all do, right? I have a business too in sales and stuff. Like, and I, I found myself from that moment on, I told it to everyone. And it wasn't even an intentional thing. It's just like I no longer wanted to like hide that anymore. And then, of course, once you start doing it and you find people like listening and then, 99% of the people then breaking down and telling you either them themselves as an addiction and that just brought them so much hope their son or daughter yeah. or loved one and then before so, you know uh, then you're like okay this everyone. is just life now like yeah. I'm never you can't go back and, and, well, I'm not going to go in the dark now like, I like <laughs> commend you both especially you Neil coming on now is because you are going to help so many people like you're going to give hope to that dude like yourself 10 years ago whatever Who's in the apartment in northern Utah staring at his volleyball that looks like Wilson? Yeah, like there's <laughs> no hope. I'm, termin I'm terminally unique, yeah. and I'm you know I'm gonna lie the rest of my life, and I'll be miserable or and and and, or, and lying yourself or hurt, this hurt okay. my spouse or like it's just you can stop the cycle. And that's and I honestly I thought about it and like the reason why I why I was able to find that was because somebody broke in on me and told me like hey this is what I'm struggling with. And That's, so seeing that, how that happens, going through those experiences, a huge part of doing that was seeing what the good that Jay did and that, that you've done in creating, seeing what's happened from that. I kind of got to a point where I'm like, like, how can we not? Karen and I were just like, how, like, we have to. We have to do this. There's scripture backs all so, this, right? Like, I mean, I know that anonymity has its place for some people. I actually, believe it or not, when we read that part in the, the, the like a mission statement or opening statement where we're like here here let's see here's stay here yeah I think that's like I get why we say that because no, you that don't means want... what you guys say here we keep here but if you want to share yeah, your yeah, experience yeah, yeah. outside I cringe I've always experience. cringed the minute I start breaking anonymity and realize like how many people are out there that need help and then how much I can that's remember I talked about that tonight like where I like I at one point thought I'd never help a soul like I but, barely get up myself but yeah. but that anonymity if you go back I'd love to I know because I, I found it why the big of why they did is because yeah. they were too few in numbers yeah and, it, now we're and, not. Like, and we're your sobriety yeah. but yeah but your sobriety comes first and yeah. until you're ready yeah until you're ready it's not and worth it and that was the agreement we had to both get through the 12 steps before we would and then we were going to talk about it and that's what we did we can go out through the 12 steps talked about in it in my bit I, I have burr under my saddle because I do feel bad for the meetings you, both you guys went to where there's a senior couple and that's it people cycling through there's a lot of people that have recovery and they never show up to a meeting or I should say sobriety yeah they get sobriety and never show up to a meeting they're like alright I'm good Right, and you're gonna. Someone else is gonna suffer because you're hiding your recovery well, in your barrel. And you probably won't last so long. That's, yeah, <laughs> honestly, and that's what I the felt truth here. in working yeah. step twelve. I had that impression. I'm like, if I want to keep what I feel right now, I have to give it away. And I and James would talk about it, and Jay yeah. would talk about it. I'm like, I have I have to do this if I want to to retain a remission of my. Sins. We know what works by watching people come in here. 
and see that they're they tell their story about what they're doing that they think quote unquote is working. They're doing their program. Then they go out and then yeah. they, and like some of them die. What does that mean? They go out. That means uh, they, they leave the rooms relapse, and right? they go do their own thing. They go yeah. their 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 program is exercise only. Their program is their bishop only. Their program is home teaching only, and their program is reading the scriptures only, and their program is a million different things. And then they they always come back. Eventually, and they always come back broken and worse than they were when they were here before. And uh, I, uh, you hang around long enough, you realize like, whoa, like I can't. Be- I I probably met hundreds of people now. And back in the day, it was just a little bit, but really, if I looked down on all the meetings over five and a half years, only the ARP meetings, but still, the hundreds of people, three or four yeah. people that cycle in and out. We've got traction now with the big group, but. Think of all the people, even in the last two years that you've met, that don't come here anymore. Mm-hmm. We've done these speaking tours, and the, mm-hmm. they show up, and the guy comes here, and he reads the scripture, and he's all well, motivating. I go, I go, I can think I of go three speak right in other now. wards, and people are like, "Oh, hey, I got oh yeah, we back. run into him and they're oh, yeah, sick, and they're like, yeah, I've been busy, I had to come." I'm like, I, I call him out. I'm like, "Yeah, you know, it's like, yeah, it's a bummer." You're, and they'll say something. I'm like, "No, it's on you, man. I'm doing great. Yeah, I, don't, I hope yeah. you're doing good." I like, it's on you. I'm, I'm sleeping like it's like Xander put in my head, and a lot of people in my head. You're sober, and that's what matters. And so, now you're doing everything to really be grateful, like right? Because if you're really grateful for something, you're going to give it away, right? Yeah. The, the, the analogy, we talked about this on the podcast we did um, yesterday, a couple days ago with someone else that we'll post later, but living water, the analogy Brother Griner talked about you know, in our local uh, mission prep class that we have here. Uh, long gotta, time we got to get him on here. we got to get him on here. We will. Okay. Um, he said the Sea of Galilee... Is is obviously we know what that is, right? It's like man, it it fed thousands and thousands of generations of people. Great fish and all this great uh, thriving clean water, and the Dead Sea sits, I think, below it. I think it's below it. Same river or whatever it is. I think one river comes into the Sea of Galilee, and the Sea of Galilee has a river that goes out of it, meaning it gets fresh water in, cycles it up, and then gives it out. Therefore, that is a natural filtration process. The Dead Sea takes water in. And there's no rivers that go out. And now the Dead Sea, as if you guys know, like it you can't there's no fishing there. It's it's like it's like dead. It's gross. It's like the lake like that's the out here, sea. the salt sea. sea is disgusting. So much so that it's ruined people's homes because it smells so bad. Mm-hmm. It's like an addict that's a taker. Like if we just took from this program, we stopped at step nine and to even ten, right? And you and eleven. <laughs> and then you stop. If you don't do twelve. You're not gonna. You're just gonna come. You're gonna. Well, it's gonna circle. It's also back what around. you say a lot. What got you sober won't get you, keep yeah. you sober. Yeah. And the way to have more spiritual experiences, the only way I know, is to get back on the front lines and help someone else. Yeah. So Neil, I want to close the last couple of things. Is what if you could go back in time and give yourself advice that I don't know. Uh, let's 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 do the post. You know that tw- late twenties. Okay. Neil, knowing what you know now. And if someone's listening to this and they're like, they're going through that cycle, like, well, I got tendency, you know, they're, they're indulging in pornography on a daily or weekly basis and they're not able to snap out of it themselves. So they may, they don't want to say the addiction word, but it's stronger than a slip up. Um, if that's you and you're able to go back in time and, and tell yourself what to do, what would it be? Yeah. I would say <clears throat> the key is, hum, is humility. I mean, humble, if I'm talking directly to myself, I'm kind yeah. of playing through this exercise, like, Neil, like, dude, you need, 
you need to just lay down your weapons of war and stop trying to do it yourself because your best thinking, your best efforts got you into the hole that, that you're in right now. And the only way that you're going to get out of that is to stop doing the thinking and let God do the thinking for you, which comes down to some, some simple things like prayer and reading your Book of Mormon is probably a really great place to start that gets kind of like played out a lot like oh that's the easy seminary answer that that is like the starting point or was the starting point for me and then get to a meeting as quickly as you can start working the steps get a sponsor like just the simple things that that are said on on the podcast and, like and my advice is you know, go go to ARP.elders.org or go to local meeting. If there's a sweet, lovely senior couple there and one other person, then drive 20 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour. Like, how serious do you want it? Were well, you yeah. willing to drive and go to multiple meetings? You know, it, for a lot of Mormons, this 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 recovery meetings is brand new. Like, I yeah. didn't know anything about it. So we've talked about last time, 90, de- 90 meetings in 90 days. If you're an alcoholic and you go to an A meeting, they're going to say you go to 90 meetings in 90 days. So we don't have 90 meetings in most areas of the country or the world for ARP. Maybe in Utah you can. Um, but some of them are going to be the lovely old senior couple, and others are going to have some people with time recovery. Um, but go to many meetings and find that one where you're going to connect with a sponsor, where you're comfortable sharing. And that's that's the, quote, home meeting that a lot of people on our podcast talk about. Yeah. And, and start, yeah, start, start working the program. And, and I love what was said. I think Xander Jay said it like, you know, be that guy. Like if, the, if there's no one in your area, like be the guy that gets recovery and sobriety yeah. in the meeting and then go You'll be and, that guy. You'll and, be that yeah, Jay. Be, You'll be that be Neil. Jay. Be like, go sponsor people. Start your meeting. Like, mm-hmm. like build where you're at. Like don't just complain I, about I how the meeting's not awesome. You grew up in the church. So then the church culture is just waiting for someone to tell me to do it. Yeah. yeah. Like that's like, we grew up like, Oh, well, I'm not going to do it like until no the bishop one, asked no me to do it. Told me, yeah. No one told me to do it. That's bullcrap in this meeting. That's in this program. In this program, s- do that or die, dude. Like, yeah, step you, up. Because if you don't, real. someone's going to get divorced. Someone, yeah, someone's going to be family. raised without a father. Someone's going to die. Like, this is life or death. I mean, I, I, th- I like how Xander says that. It's, it's, you know, yeah, that's relating to drugs, but pornography is the same way. Like, you're going to lose your family. You're going to lose your career. You're going to spiritually die. And, and honestly, could, suicide uh, is a big part of this. Like... I, I mentioned I mentioned to someone early on because we have a, a men only sex meeting and I was like, so is it different? Like I know with drugs you can die and he looked at me straight in the face and he says, the only people die from a sex addiction and it's from suicide. Yeah. And he's like, don't, he, he was like pissed that I brought yeah, it. I'm like, yeah, well, no, I'm just, I just want to know. The real he's deal. like, no, don't. This is this is no different. This that's is life or death. Goes. That's where it goes. So, but the hope that comes to a drug addict or alcoholic or sex addict is the same. Um, and so Life or death, I, everything else. what I've learned a lot is check your ego. Don't think your addiction is unique, more unique than someone else. Um, and then the last thing is what I, what I commend you and see if you have advice on this is you've been hundred percent honest with your wife. And I think, um, maybe a lot of mistakes that we've seen is, is they're not honest with their spouse. They try to do this on their own and leave their spouse out of the recovery process. And what you shared tonight was a lot of like, you wanted to get your wife here. And that's, besides you all both had to work your own 12 steps. But when you both started doing it, it both got real for both of you. That's where it changed. And like, that's where our marriage totally changed. Like, 
Yeah, I would say that to somebody. If you if you want to stay married, get your wife to ARP. That changed everything. Well, not everything, but like I had to obviously work my program, but that changed our relationship. It shifted it's into totally another gear. Different. Yeah, it's we're in such a different place than we ever have been. And 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 you know you're going to help someone on the side of addiction, but Corinne's been very instrumental in helping the She's spouse, amazing. right? Yeah. Like going through the steps herself. And she keeps, as Xander, is that an AA thing? Keep your side of the street clean? Or is that yeah, a Xander saying? <laughs> keep your side of the street clean, right? Work yeah. your program. and Something magical happens when you're both working your own side of the street and cleaning and, that and relationship. Yeah. In my clothes, like, the Lord wants you to get recovery, wants you to get, wants you to repent. He wants your family to be repaired, right? He's just waiting for that to happen, but we need to make those steps and do those steps. Absolutely. Anything last that we're... Nope, church is true. That was good. <laughs> Anything last, Neil? This has been amazing. No, I mean, it. we I, went, we, we went so long. So long. I'm totally. Oh, I do not apologize in my story, but, but no. I thanks for letting me be on. I like, I love what you guys are doing, and it's super. Well, I think there's a lot of so. dudes and probably ladies out there that think, okay, I can get, I can under, I can, I can see how I can stop drinking and smoking and taking the pills, or whatever. But I relate sex addiction and food addiction very much the same. You have to eat. Yeah, yeah. But you've got to control eating. You're, yeah. you're having sex, yeah. but you got to control that sex addiction. And they're very related. And to separate those, you know, it's, it's different in that regard, but the recovery is the same. Yeah. The oh. solution. And the solution is the, the same. same. The solution is that's, the same. That's what's blown my, that's True. what I've learned that's the most over ARP, the years. But, yeah. Um, yeah. And so, again, like a lot of areas have men only pornography. If that's working for you and you're with sobriety, awesome. Maybe you can go share that with someone else. But if you're sitting in those meetings and you were relapse, relapse, get to a general ARP. Or Bring your spouse. Absolutely. Get to an AA. Go to an SA meeting, right? SA. I, hey, I don't care what it is. You just get, get, if you're serious, get to the help, dude. Get to like, somewhere where, get, get, steps. somewhere. Get something going and you'll get to the solution. Okay. Progress, right? Not perfection. Yeah. Amen. Well, thanks, Neil. Um, you. Thanks, thanks for guys. listening to the podcast. No and posers allowed on this one. Yeah, poser free zone. <laughs> All right. See you next time. Or listen to next time or whatever. Whatever we say. <laughs> Dear Lord, blesses us with love. Please send this day thy spirit from above. As this thy son accepts a call from thee. Help him, we pray, to learn humility. Direct his footsteps every day And keep him ever walking in thy ways Inspire him as he spreads the gospel plan Lord, hold him in the hollow of thy hand In the hollow of thy hand As he grows from boy to man Help his understanding deepen and
Give him shelter.